I do believe we are live. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. I'm your host, Lef Poliakov, at Lefpo on Twitter. Today, I have the great teabagger himself, uh, Willie Mack, uh, joining us. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, no, I, I think that's my official title. I, uh, I appreciate being uh, called as such. Well, uh, you are part of the uh, tea drinking community, or tea spilling community, rather, which I've gotten acquainted to through uh, Turkey Tom and so on and so forth. But uh, I am very curious about what exactly is going on here as far as how you came up and how you see a lot of the differences today versus when you were starting out with people like Leafy and the various people that were pushing the envelope. Like, according to the videos that I saw of yours, the Wild West is gone, we're just going to be screwed up now with these very sanitized things. All you can do as a historian, I guess, is to cobble together all the lost remnants of the greatness and uh, try to preserve that for the next generation. Is, I mean, is that look, being fair? That, that's kind of like a dramatic way to put it, but yeah, and to a degree, I, I like kind of wholeheartedly believe in that stuff where it's like, uh, we are very sanitized now. Like back in 2016, when like all the, like it was such like uh, pushing the boundaries of comedy in a lot of ways in terms of like the online space and what you could do as a creator. We had like iDubs that was like fucking naked in the sewers eating pickles and stuff and you know, filthy Frank really pushing those boundaries. And um, even like Leafy was like taking, uh, you know, he was the fastest growing YouTuber at the time. Like he was pulling PewDiePie numbers at 100 million views a month, which a lot of YouTubers do that now. But back in 2016, that was crazy. Like that was the top of the top. And, uh, you know, to see there, a lot of those guys like filthy Frank end up leaving, like, you know, there's a variety of reasons, but for the most part, it comes down to they were getting demonetized. And, uh, you know, Leafy got banned. A lot of these got Monkey Jones got banned for a period of time. And, um, yeah, man, I just think we're, we're at a different, a different phase where, you know, all we can do is talk about these guys and how cool their content was. You can't go and make this stuff anymore. Yeah, which is a shame. It's not, not necessarily. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you there. We have people, for example, like, have you ever heard of Frank Hassel? Uh, yeah. So he's out there. I mean, he has a gum road and he gets his stuff uh, stolen off the gum road. Isn't that like it's it's kind of like Patreon. I don't know. It's one of those things that people uh, use nowadays in order to uh, make money off of things until, let's say, the authorities get a notice about it and then maybe they have to move on. So I think right now a lot of people are in this mode of having to go from one place to the other, you know, kind of hunter-gatherers, as opposed to really feeling like, okay, this is the place, this is where we're going to grow, and just like I picking mean, dude, up scraps. Dude, real quick, though, your first example is a guy that he has to use like a third-party shitter website that nobody even knows, you know, to try yeah. and to try and get any money. You know, you're not all the people that are talented and want to make a lot of money doing this shit. They aren't going to spend their they aren't going to go do that thing. It's like the best athletes. The best athletes want to play basketball and they want to play baseball because there's more money in both those things than there is in like, you know, uh, hockey. Right. No, I get what you mean. I mean, a lot of the people, even when leafy was getting in trouble a lot of the people who had before were for uh, free speech they all of a mm -hmm. sudden started uh, championing this idea like yes he took it too far and like why do you think that is is it because that people just end up selling out at a certain point i don't know how many people even like said leafy took it too far it's just he got banned and people were like uh trying to like guess why he was banned because nope steven still nobody knows like these social media websites because they're uh, like private companies um 
you they don't have to really give a reason. Their TOS is more or less like a facade of rules to make it like make everyone think that it's fair and make everyone think like, oh, there's some like uh, like clear idea of rules. When in reality, like they could can you no matter what. They don't have to tell you anything. And I think he just got hit with that. Like, because uh, even still, like, I don't think there's ever been a reason. Nobody ever knows, right? Nobody knows. There's a bunch of theories for why it was banned. But either way, they were in this mode of uh, not really seeing this as being that big of a deal. And why do you think that is? Why do you think fewer of these, you know, big time YouTubers were coming to uh, uh, the oh. aid anymore? Oh, because people don't like Leafy, right? I mean, the dude's an ass. The dude was making like content, just going after everybody. It was completely like, uh, he was just being a dick to everybody. So why would anyone go help you if, if they don't like you? Yeah, you know, but it a is Twitch streamer. He just blasted Pokemon for having like tier three simps and all like just clowning on her. Right. Mm -hmm. So why would if you're a Twitch streamer, you'd be look at this guy and you're like, yeah, I'm not I'm not helping him. <laughs> no, no, I don't understand that part, though, because why is it that Pokemon and I could be wrong about this. I'm looking at it as an outsider looking in. But why is it that people like Pokemon are considered to be like this? untouchable royalty like there was even a stream i remember the among us video game it was her it was elon omar it was ocasio cortez and when and i think hassan was also in there i'm not sure but when you have all these people in there it just makes me think that there is some kind of a i, I don't know i don't want to be a conspiracy guy about this but when you have this kind of royalty that so many young people are seeing and that's the that's the angle that they're getting this particular like kind of vibe th you think they're getting like uh passes is what you're saying they're get well uh they're getting passes but not only passes i think they're getting to be very influential as far as what especially like little kids because a lot of little kids are on twitch oh dude yeah absolutely hassan and pokemon are super influential i don't think pokemon is like people that follow her i don't think she's a bad influence or anything i think she's fine for the most part right um she's done some things but she you know she gets called out and then for the most part, I don't think she does it again, like that I could think of um, when she gets kind of blasted the first time. Uh, Hassan, on the other hand, I think that guy fucking sucks balls. I don't know how anyone watches that dude. Like, he is genuinely an awful person. Like, Hassan is genuinely does shitty things constantly, you know? <laughs> I don't really, uh, I don't really go too much into what Kassan, uh did. I went and saw your videos of him. I've seen things here and there. Him talking about 9/11. That's one of the things Dude, that this really. This guy's literally talking about like his fans. Like he has a trans debate. Some of his fans didn't like how he handled it, and he tells one of his trans fans like, "Yeah, you don't know, you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to trans debates." Like, how, that's fucking crazy. Who does that, <laughs> right? Like he said something. Uh, he got in a drama with Gideon, right? Gideon made a documentary about going to what was dubbed the most racist town in America to see what it was actually like. And um, he goes there and he ends up thinking like, you know what, this town's got kind of a bad rap. Like any town, of course there's racist people, but this town, you know, for the most part, the people are pretty great. His son turns around and he's like, yeah, I hate to say it, this guy just doesn't understand what he's talking about when it comes to racism. It's like, bro, you're telling a trans person they don't know anything about, like, how to debate trans issues. You're telling a black person they don't know what racism is. Like, fuck this guy, dude. That's If anyone else did that, you'd get fucking castrated. Like, I don't know how he, he's able to do that shit. Why do you think people like him? Um, I think when it comes to politics, you always have the benefit of the doubt of this is your team, right? Politics content creators get to cheat 
because if they say they're, you know, Republican or they're Democrat or whatever it is, right, left, right, however verbiage they use, um, they instantly have a group of people that will side with them on almost everything. Like that's how Jeremy, like the quartering, if you know who that is, that's how oh, of he course. rolls. That's how uh, Hassan rolls. The only person that I see like try and push that is Destiny. Um, but yeah, no, well, that's there how was, all these political people work. There was a recent change I noticed with Destiny. I want to bring Destiny eventually soon on BTR as well. But there was a change that I noticed where he went from having this utter contempt for conservatives into now, for example, being photographed with Brittany Venti, who I also had on before. So like certain people that would be considered to be faux pas in a way now Destiny's bringing them in. But I also wonder if that is because he was banned off of uh, Twitch by, what's her name? Keffels? Keffels? I don't know if I'm saying yeah, that correctly. Yeah. Like, I don't know the lore of, of Destiny and how his politics have changed. I'm not super in the political scene, right? I've, I've caught Hassan, obviously, because the dude trends on Twitter every other month. And every stream I watch of him, he's just insane. But, um, you know, when it comes to Destiny, I think part of him's just kind of blackpilled in the sense that he, uh, you know, he's been banned from, like, every website. He's Or not every website, but he's been banned from Twitch. They haven't liked him. I think he's also a kind of guy where he's okay to have a conversation with anybody, you know. If he disagrees, they'll disagree, and then that's content. And I think, uh, I think that's fine. I think that's a good trait to have, you know. And what about uh, your particular, and I know I don't want to get too much into politics, we'll get a little bit more into that once we have the distributist who is coming in at 8pm. So all the people here who know distributist, you see over here on the, uh, if I'm pointing in the right direction, we are going to have the distributist coming in very soon. And that would be a very interesting conversation because you are somebody who is not the most political person in the world. So it will be very interesting to see what you think of the distributist's ideas for the world. But how often did you hear certain more reactionary thoughts uh coming uh, in today because i want to kind of see yeah, if, i have no yeah, clue is this guy no. like a like a right winger or what are we doing <laughs> yes yes okay. he is yes he is a right winger and it will be but what is your reaction to that because i say oh my god right wing right winger like when you hear right winger what I are certain thoughts i don't think when somebody says like their political thing it might as well just be them telling me their favorite color it doesn't really mean anything you know like when people talk to me then i then i have an understanding but when it comes to politics, dude, I don't. I think everyone's just full of shit half the time, you know. Like I don't. I don't know. I don't care, right? Yeah. I uh, I tend to agree uh, as well. But when it comes to that recent thing that happened today, the uh, well, the the shooting. I mean, I guess I could say shooting is an algorithm, whatever. The Buffalo one. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Buffalo one. Yeah. So obviously, you have a lot of the news reporters coming out of the woodwork, blaming 4chan, blaming a lot of, you know, these radicalizing things, but uh, I honestly think one of the points that you made in a uh, video of yours, I think back in 2020, did have to do with this unintended effect of censorship, where people are going deeper into these holes, and it's a lot difficult to reach out to them. I mean, do you still uh, do you still agree with that? I mean, look, it's, it's a touchy subject when it comes to... Uh... A shooting or something like that right but i think when it comes to the internet you're never going to stop everybody's on the internet so that means crazy people are too violent people are too uh so you know you could ban people from twitter you could ban ban people from facebook or reddit or whatever it is right they're always going to find if they're uh extremist and they're looking for that stuff they'll always find their group They'll just go to a different website to do it. So I think all that banning these people does is they make it so it can't be caught 
as easily, right? Because if, if somebody is doing it on 4chan and the post gets 150 views on it, 150 people probably aren't going to think anything of it, right? If, it, if this thing goes viral on Twitter, or this gets seen on Twitter, then maybe, you know, authorities look into that a lot quicker, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Because 4 yeah. just another social media site. I don't, you know, I don't think that most people that use it are probably fucking normal. It's just like, it's been the ultimate red herring of any of these media outlets is 4chan. Just blame everything on 4chan. Do you, like, do you like 4chan? I'm, I don't use it because it's just like forums. And I fucking hate, I hated the internet back in the days when it was all forums. So I stay away from that. I stay away from Reddit, uh, any of that shit. But I... No, for the most part, it's just shit post on there and trolls and stuff. I don't think it's, I I have no negative feelings towards 4chan, you know. So you're more of a, uh, you don't like a lot of uh, written content. You like a lot of visual content, a lot of uh, gags, goofs, things of that nature. Like where we just like just shit that's recent. And when it when it comes to the forum stuff, I just think it's really messy. I think it's hard to follow. I think it's boring. It's just like a forum of a topic, forum of a topic, forum of a topic. The internet was not fun until it was fucking like YouTube and like Twitter and and things where it was like very concise, clear calls outs of like just everybody, you know, like because uh, everyone's on YouTube, everyone's on Facebook, everyone's on Twitter. So those sites to me are more fun. Whereas there was like back in the day, there was like 200 websites of like Game Informer and like, you know, here's the God of War section of Game Informer and here's the, you know. But don't you think there's something to that, something to the idea of gatekeeping where it's a lot harder for people to come through. So the people who actually end up coming through are the ones who actually like really, really care about it. Yeah, I think that that's like a fun part of it. But in terms of like creating content and consuming content, then no. So if I'm looking at like, you know, how to build a PC or I'm looking at, uh, you know, talks about like an, an Age of Empires esports tournament, then sure, I'm going to go look at the forums. I'm going to go look at AOE Zone. But when it comes to like, I need to be entertained and I want to see Keemstar call fucking Tana Mojo like a dumb bitch or some shit, I'm going to go on Twitter. That's the sh where I'm spending most of my time. That's the most fun, you know? It's weird, man. Like, I understand where you're coming from. And back in the day, like, even before a lot of this uh, Twitch uh, YouTube drama, one of my favorite sites to visit was, I don't know if you're familiar with Blog Wars. Do you know Blog Wars? No, no, dude. That's way... Yeah, I did not get on the internet, honest to God, till like, 2012. All right, so Blog, Blog Wars was, I think, after... No, before 2012. This was a style project, if you're familiar with who uh, Style is. S-T-I-L-E. So he was this weird guy who was hosting like various porn stars and gross out humor and you know a lot of a lot of things that would be considered to be extremely edgy today before it, it was open. Fucking great. Yeah, bring that yeah. shit back. <laughs> Let's go. No, but here's but here's the big problem. Like back then a lot of that was just hosted by this one guy and those who wanted to seek it out uh, suck it out. Like, that was the first place where I saw Joe Rogan because of this video where he went up on stage when Carlos Mesilla was doing an act. And I think that there was something very special about having these little communities where people can get to that stuff on their own. Because in a way, I think it keeps a lot of this gross-out humor that I think both of us like. But what it keeps away are people who end up later on, you know, professing their hatred of it thinking that you know they're above all of that and they should get rid of that and they should sanitize everything yeah, you're talking about the people that like think all right if i make like a joke calling somebody like i don't know if you could say this on twitch the r word right if i make a joke saying the r word which i have a bunch right 
uh, obviously YouTube is big enough where people will see that or Twitter will see that and then they won't like it because they don't find it appropriate. In those small communities, you're kind of like tucked away so you're good. Look, dude, I, I get you. That's cool. But the problem is like it's up to those people to that see that shit and don't like it to just fucking block it and know it's not for them. You but know, that's but it. they're not but they're not doing that shit. Instead, what's happening? No, no, is, but the, that's the that's the fucking yeah. problem. Why should I get banned because you don't like my joke? Like, fuck, fuck, if you don't like the joke, don't look at the joke. Ban me. You know, like block me. Don't. So, ban so me, you know man. where all those people were? All those, all those. I don't know. Okay, fuck it. I don't care. I'm gonna call them farm animals. All these farm animals were on their fields watching television. That's what they were doing. That's exactly. what they wanted like, to do. TV is perfect for people like that. Yeah, no. they never, they never should have been you know why let don't out. Watch TV though, because it's fucking boring. It's fucking boring. You want to get mad at me calling you a retard? All right, let's face it. I'm providing you entertainment. You get mad. That's what you wanted to do today. You know. But, that's, <laughs> that's but the it. same, but the same people who are watching TV are now watching YouTube. And looking at all the people that are being promoted on YouTube again, it's like it's lowering the bar. And it doesn't mean that lowering lowering the bar means like we shouldn't have leafy, we shouldn't have people who do all kinds of gross out gross out things. Personally, I think that is way more intellectual than a lot of these. I don't even know how to. How, yes, exactly. Uh, we need we need more barfs in the world. We need more burps. But what I find though is like on Saturday Night Live. They take a certain aspect of that, but they do it like little, like little kids. If you saw like a latest thing on Saturday Sa- on Night SNL. Live is fucking dead. Like all the no comedians anymore. Like want to go on Saturday Night Live. That like which which is funny because growing up that was probably like the end game. It's like hey, I want to end up on SNL. Like now it's like no, dude, I want to have my own fucking show, my own channel, my own podcast. Or I can just fart around and make jokes. Like um, I don't know, dude. Like I I do think. That that uh, volatile humor is actually super mainstream. I think people want that. Like that was some of the most popular stuff in the mid two thousands, right? But it's now been dubbed as like, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's because these companies are based in California or or whatever it is, right? It's now been dubbed as bad, which uh, which is why we see so le- so much less of it is because it's been dubbed as something you can get in trouble for, and obviously like. If I'm a guy just making jokes and making money or whatever, and I, you know, if this joke can get me in trouble, you know what? I might think it's hilarious, but it's probably not worth me, like, you know, losing a show over, you know? Do you think it, uh, do you think it makes people stupider in the long run to be exposed to overly sanitized content? I don't think it makes you stupider or anything. Like, I don't even know if stupider is a word, right? I, I got fucking C's in high school, so I'm probably a bad person when it comes to when it comes to judging how smart someone is, right? But when it comes to, like, uh, I think you, you deprive yourself of a lot of perspective when you're willing to just block out people's point of view because maybe they use some words that you don't find uh, appropriate, you know? Like, I think you're, you're losing... Sometimes that inappropriate joke... And in, in being able to hear that and laugh at that is enough to make you like relax and be like, you know what, maybe we can have this conversation because we're so like, if we're so emotionally over, like uh, emotionally charged when it comes to things like race or, uh, you know, let me think of something else like a war or whatever it is, right? 
then we aren't able to have a production, a productive conversation. Cause whenever the other side talks, we just start screaming. Cause we're mad, right? We could hear a joke, laugh, and then be like, all right, let me hear you out. Now you hear me out. Then we're good. Right. Emotions getting in the way, I think blocks a lot of productivity when it comes to like serious topics, you know? Well, where do you think all of this is going? Like, do you think that right now we're at the peak of this stage and that's it? It's, you know, things are going to start relaxing. People are going to take a chill pill. Or do you think we aren't even there yet? Like the whole slippery slope I'm, you talked about before. I'm glad you said that. I think whoever the current president is, this is my current theory, whoever the current president is, if it's a, a you know, liberal or if it's a Republican, right? I think they immediately make everything less cool because the media is going to fucking report on stories, you know, depicting the president as a bad guy because it gets a lot of views or whatever, right? So whenever it's like, Biden, does he not have the balls? Does he not have, is he not being harsh enough? Is he not being straight up enough, right? And then it's Trump and it's like, he's being too mean on Twitter. He called Kim Jong-un his friend or whatever, right? Like, I think uh, whoever the current president is, the pendulum's going to swing the other way. Because being the president is just seen as like uh, being a, like whatever their point of view is, is just starting to be seen as lame because then that's the mainstream, you know? Do you think that's happening with a lot of woke culture today? Do you think that people have already had enough? Like in the people that you're speaking with, are you noticing any kind of change or are people just doubling down? Um, I think there there's been talks in our circles of like, Yo, there's like another anti-SJW wave like coming. And for people that don't know what that is, that's like, that that just means like kind of edgy humor, like kind of going against the grain a little bit. And it's because I, I honestly think it's because there's Joe Biden's in charge, right? If Donald Trump was still elected right now, I think we'd be going the other way where it's like we aren't caring about people's feelings enough. I, th I think it's natural for a country to swing the other way because if your life currently sucks, you're going to blame the guy on, in charge. And the guy in charge is the president. So I think like, I think that's just the pendulum when it comes to like election season. So we got another two years before we have the uh, primaries. Um, yeah, it'll be this. I think it'll get really strict around then. And then once it's over, it'll loosen up again. And, and whoever's in charge still, it'll, it'll swing that other way. Then it'll start beginning. You know? But people are caring about politics all this time, though. Like ever since Trump, people have been very much caring about it. Tim Dillon, I like his idea of we should go back to what was happening in the 90s where you had people who were totally out of politics. They just gave up. They like to goof off. And uh, it seems like with every generation, people don't really have that much else to be interested in. Then they just go into the politics hive mind. I don't know if more people are involved in politics now than they were back in the 90s. I don't know how true that is. I think that what we're seeing on the Internet is back in 2016, there was just a lot less people on the Internet. Like YouTube was so much smaller where like people were getting, you know, 100 million views a month was the top of the website. Now, dude, like a fucking a billion views a month is what some of these channels are getting. A billion, right? Like 10 times more. The website's that much bigger because all these people in India have the Internet now. Uh, all these uh, people that are 40 years old, like my mom and dad, they only watch YouTube now. They watch so much fucking YouTube, right? So I think the internet's more political and we care more about that stuff just because older people are on the internet. I don't think it has anything to do with like, back in the day, people just gave less of a shit. No, dude, it's just, it's there's more people on here, so more people give a shit. 
Mm, you know? Interesting. I, I didn't think about it that way. That's uh, that's a pretty refreshing way to look at it. Because that was just honestly cons- how I feel. Whenever I hear like, oh no, it's just like back in the '90s. It's like, dude, I don't think that's fucking <laughs> true. I don't like, dude. When when 2000, the year 2000, when fucking Bush won or whatever, and over Al Gore with less the the smaller with he didn't have the majority of the vote. That was a huge fucking deal. People freaked the fuck out. You know, there was riots in the streets. Not about that, but like a few months uh, before 9-11 because of like race stuff in L.A. You know, like this stuff has always been a big issue in in the country. It it won't disappear overnight. Now, I think it's gotten better, but like, yeah, no, like it's always been a thing. And saying back in the day it isn't, that's just rose-tinted glasses. Oh boy, I cannot wait until this tributist comes in. This is going to be, listen, for the people who are here and are uh, waiting for this tributus. He is coming in at 8 p.m. And once again, this is going to be quite an interesting combination because this tributist, I don't want to speak for him, but he comes in through a very different perspective where yeah, cool. every, yeah, well, every, every generation things that are getting bleaker and bleaker and bleaker, and there's not really any way to fix whatever Dude, trajectory we're going what anybody, into. Every generation that's ever existed right now is the biggest problem. That's how it's always fucking been, dude. It's how it's always been. Literally in like the 60s, you had like a, a fucking pre- a guy win four states where his motto was like segregation forever. <laughs> well, well, not just well, not just the 60s in the uh, in the 30s and 40s, you had FDR and FDR. He ran a third term and he was very close to a lot of the ideas that uh, he won uh, the third term. Yeah, he, he won didn't the third even term. Run, dude, he didn't even go on debates or anything. He just was like, yeah, I'm not showing up to anything. People vote me in and they fucking did. Like, dude, right now is always the biggest problem when it comes to like the world. So for us thinking like, oh, right now is so fucked. Blah, blah, everybody has thought right now is so fucked since every year. But there, but there is even, but there is even more to that though, because you had FDR who had Stalinist agents, you know, for Joseph Stalin. They were working for Joseph Stalin, and they were working for FDR. He had him in the government, and then when you had people like McCarthy, we're used to thinking of McCarthyism as just being this thing where this guy unfairly was targeting all these, you know, uh, musicians and artists and all that. Really, he was. I mean, maybe he overdid it, but he was able to find who the communist agents were very deep in the United States government. And that was also the time, by the way, like late 30s, there was a very interesting book called The Red Decade by Eugene Lyons, where he talks about how all the intellectuals during that time, they had to be Stalinists. If they were socialists, they would call you a social fascist. You had to be a Stalinist. You had to love Joseph Stalin. So when I look at that shit and look at what we have today, like, I don't know, it doesn't, I think that there is a lot, a lot of wisdom, despite whatever you may downplay, you may say like, oh, I'm just some guy. I think, I think you are a breath of fresh air as far as people need to keep a lot of these things in perspective. Yeah, I I don't know. I think like, I don't know. I, I don't know like everything like you're, you're necessarily referencing, right? The, The last time I heard about McCarthyism was like high school, maybe. You know, no, but you could you can hated communist is all I know. right? Yeah, but you can imagine it, right? Like you can imagine America being this place where communism is considered to be, you know, like better dead than red. You know, people did not like communists. Politics is fucked right now. That's completely normal. Yeah. And but just imagine back then you would have the government that ran the whole thing, having active communist agents being at the highest positions of the United States government. That actually happened. And this people don't teach that in school about that. That's nuts. So that's just another nugget of uh, information that hopefully makes people reconsider. Because here's the thing. Okay, 
I've been doing Break the Rules for about uh, two years now. Uh, we had uh, recently uh, a uh, split where Gio was on here before. Now Gio, he has uh, quit the stream. And Gio had a lot more of an authoritarian uh, streak as far as his beliefs. But I respect, you know, whatever he wants to do now. But what I find, though, is that a lot of people are in this black hole of almost wanting there to be some kind of tragedy. They almost want there to be some kind of a war, some kind of a conflict where Dude, maybe they can prove themselves. Yeah, because people weaponize. Uh, yeah, God, this has gotten a lot more political than I thought this stream would. But <laughs> oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. But go on. Like, uh, I people absolutely do weaponize every fucking tragedy that happens, right? Like you, you had fucking the quartering. This is the most dumbass tweet I've ever fucking read, right? He posted a tweet that was straight up, like. Actually, the Buffalo shooter was left-leaning. He's a communist. And he, like, pointed to some paragraph. And then, like, you had the right-leaning people being like, see, this guy's a straight-edge fascist closer to Republicans because he hated black people and Republicans hate black people. Right? And I'm just sitting there like, man, dude, you just can't, you just can't fucking feel bad and just be like, yeah, this guy's nuts. Like, you got you to gotta blame half of the fucking country and, like, being on his team or some shit as if anyone wanted this to happen. It's so fucked up, dude. I mean, the one thing I kind of liked that the quartering did recently was that whole Jack Murphy thing, if you recall that story. I actually had Jack Murphy on the show. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't know who Jack Murphy is. Okay, so Jack Murphy, he was a gentleman who was uh, portraying himself as being this very right leaning individual he and very like manly you know he had like the big bushy beard with uh if you search for that name by the way if you have a browser open jack murphy you will see this man with this really really big beard and uh and again i respect him coming on all that i want to say though is that he had certain ghosts in his closet that he wanted to downplay and uh, when it came to being on the show, when people were asking him about this article he wrote about uh, being in this cuckolding relationship where he would send his wife out to have sex with this, uh, what? what was it, Matt from Tinder. And this That's was all an, I need to know, dude. What the fuck? And this was an article that Jack Murphy wrote, but he became so angry, so... He wrote an article yeah, about how yeah. his wife... He sends his wife out to fuck other dudes? Yes, and then he would pee on his wife after she uh, came home. <laughs> what? Dude, dude, his Twitter bio says, I interviewed the world's best thinkers. Yeah, that's also true. I mean, he did have some pretty smart people on his show, but that's the whole point. Like, he just made a change from being this kind of like, he was part of the pickup artist group, you know, like the PUAs. So he was doing a lot of that stuff, and in a way, he wanted to show that it was an alpha move to have your wife. Like, it's not like she's having sex with another man because, you know, behind your back. You want her I to have her sex. To fuck that other man, yeah! Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Matt from Tinder. Yeah, bitch, suck his dick, yeah! <laughs> but when this was brought up to him on this uh, on the show that he was in, he got so upset, he started cursing out the host for even mentioning this, and that's so what super embarrassed of it that doesn't sound yes. very alpha well he ended up bringing his whole career down because they noticed like okay it's one thing like it came out and then the porn videotapes came out of him having a dildo up his ass and you know all this he <laughs> a dildo in his ass yes Look, well this I, I will shove dildos in my ass but it will be in private and off camera i will not do any dude when you have a hundred and forty thousand twitter followers and you get 
15 likes on a tweet that some shit happened. Some shit went down. So he literally lost his career because he was a cuck? Here's the thing. I don't think it was because he was a cuck. I really think it was because of the reaction that he had to what happened. Because if he, for example, if he were to say, you know what, guys? Yes, I was being a silly goose. What are you going to do? You know, that would be one thing. But he went on the offensive against anybody, including the quartering. Like, he wanted to take the quartering's channel down. He even had in his private well, forum... a fucking huge cuck, too, bro. So it's the cuck wars. <laughs> exactly. Holy so, shit. So he had this war room in this private forum. And not only that, but he also had this men's organization still around called the Liminal Order. And in the liminal order, you know, it was like this private organization supposed to be like one of the highest tier security systems to uh, make sure everybody's identity is kept secret, which was hacked like in a couple of minutes, you know, but like this was how he was presenting himself as he had these breakfasts that people had to pay a lot of money to get into. (laughs) And expensive eggs in the world, dude. Exactly. Yes. And then eventually, you know, this whole thing came crashing down. I'm not sure what he's going to do. I mean, look, I still wish him the best. I appreciate that he came onto a BTR when he did. However, I do notice that he instantly went going in the other direction when it come to, came to uh, Ukraine. Like he was very much against. Uh, uh, he was very much against a lot of the U.S. foreign policy. Always saying like, "Wait, well, Russia has a point." You know, like you know, NATO shouldn't have been encroaching and all that kind of stuff. So basically, making a lot of excuses for what's going on. Uh-huh. And he and he was doing that back when he was on BTR as well. I remember, like he didn't look at Putin as being somebody who is. Uh, you know, he saw him as being like this alpha male, kind of like uh, he portrayed himself as this well. This guy sounds like a complete lol cow. I absolutely am interested in making a video. He started his own cult. This sounds crazy. Hmm. This guy's this guy's nuts. The liminal order. The yeah. website is S too. And this is the first time you've heard about this, right? Yeah, I've never heard about this. Wow. So see, there's a lot of things going on in this part of the internet that I'm going to be connecting you with because another one of the things that BTR does, which is, again, why it's important for the distributors to be coming in here soon, is I want to bring on people who have absolutely nothing to do at all with a lot of these particular waves and introduce them into it. Because I think that, you know, like the stuff that you were talking about right now is things that... I try to mention, but I think eventually it falls in deaf ears unless they have an outsider come in and talk about them. Because people, I think, are way, way, way too obsessed with the politics. They think the world is coming into an end. And uh, I don't know. Like, I really don't know how exactly to stop this. Do you think, though, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where if enough people believe that the world is coming to an end, there's going to be a war, I mean, there's going to be, you know, race war, whatever you want to say, that eventually... That is that is going to happen because so many people are going to be so invested in that idea that they'll I make mean, it happen. God, Jesus Christ, man! I don't I don't think there's going to be like a fucking race war or anything like that. I think there could be like a war with China or some shit, you know. But uh, uh, yeah, I I don't think so. I think like it's natural for when we're in a uh, probably the most like privileged best years of humanity, right? Especially the United States, like more people have more rights and, and more money than. Maybe not more money because of inflation and stuff yeah. than ever, though, for the most part. Um, so I don't. I think like it's it's natural for people to point out inequalities in a place where there is like a democracy and, and and freak out and demand a bunch of shit. And maybe they're right or maybe they're wrong. Maybe they don't understand it or maybe they do. I don't. 
I don't necessarily know all these answers because I don't study that stuff. Um, I talk about dumb YouTube drama, but yeah, I don't think there's like, there's any like self-fulfilling prophecy. I think the end of the world is like destined with like, could definitely hinge on like China invading Taiwan or some crazy shit. And then the U S starting the draft and then who knows what happens. Everyone's got fucking drones and lasers and shit. Who knows? Right. Well, what about concerns that people have about, uh, I don't know, pornography, for instance? People talk about how way Dude, more widespread pornography is out there. We are in there. such a blessed fucking world right now. People are, are crying about guys jerking off all day <laughs> to fucking porn. Of course, there's if there's naked woman online, of course, everyone who's got access to the internet is going to fucking look that shit up. I don't care if you're a woman. You could be the straightest Christian woman. You probably looked up a pair of tits before, you know, <laughs> like, like, it's just. I don't. I don't think like uh, I'm. I'm guessing you've talked to Glink before. Of course, yeah. No, Glink's yeah. great. Glink's a great guy. I love Glink. His fucking porn shit is sounds is like where he's like porn's a drug is nonsense to me. Anything's addictive. Anything can be abused. Hold on, I'll make a case. I'll make a case for mm-hmm. Glink. Okay. Go for it. So there is something inside of our body. Okay, so imagine, for example... Real quick, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Just so people don't think okay. I'm shading Glink because it's Twitch and I know that shit happens. Glink makes some of the best content on YouTube. I fucking love what he makes. I yes. think he's a super interesting guy. I'd love to be friends with him, right? But his fucking stance on porn is so is so too much for me. <laughs> I just don't agree. You know? All right, here's where I could try to uh, turn you around with this, uh, with this idea. So, Go for it. Okay, so I think we're very, like, I think you're a very grounded individual, which is something a lot of people need. I think people have their heads too much in the air when it comes to being stuck in these mental traps of always focusing on politics. Now, with this groundedness, though, I would say that it may block, unless, like, you sit down and meditate and whatever, it may block certain realizations of some really strange things that are possible. So for example, I've been meditating for about a couple of years now. I've been doing this thing called the Wim Hof method. It's this breathing technique where you breathe in 30 times and then you stop breathing for about two minutes and then you take a really, really big breath in. So as soon as I started doing that, I started seeing psychedelic visions without any psychedelics, without any drugs. Yeah. Are you just like knocking oxygen? Are you just choking yourself (laughs) out? You're like, I can't breathe. (laughs) You're having hallucinations. No. Everybody says that. Everybody, and I'm going to, I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend to the death that this oh, is God, not, God. this is not uh, choking uh, without air. Because what ends up happening is I you end up. Have secre- a girl do it, dude. Then that's like porn. Then you're getting the best of both. <laughs> that is okay. No, no, hold on. Just to, just to defend that, this is something that two people could do with this, uh, you know, together. Because what I'm getting to here is a uh, tantra. I'm getting here to the idea that we have this primal sexual energy inside of us and we could transmute that through meditation, through these breathing things. I get to the point where I feel like there is this snake that's going up my spine and that is also accompanied by various psychedelic visuals. And that is also something where you're transmuting a lot of the sexual power. At least, at least I think so. At least I think that's what's going on. So that I would say in defense of what Glink is talking about, that people can use a lot of this sexual energy for other means. You know, there were many examples of people like, uh, you know, like all the great scientists, like uh, who's that, that guy who discovered gravity? Isaac Newton. So okay, Isaac, Isaac Newton. Newton. Isaac Newton, he yes. Only discovered, he only discovered <laughs> gravity because he didn't jerk off for a week. <laughs> Not just a week. Yeah, the guy was celibate. And think of like all these monks, you know, mm-hmm. and all these 
all these people who look the reality is i'm gonna make jokes because i'm not educated on this issue right if there is something there i am the worst person to ask right the instant you say sexual power i'm just like what i don't know what the fuck that means man right uh i'm i'm just not the guy there all i can provide is kind of teasing um uh i yeah i don't fucking know it just sounds like nonsense to me but Maybe there is something there. I know like boxers, right? They, they, they like to do that because it makes them more aggressive in the ring and it gives them, supposedly gives them more energy. And every boxer says this, all these boxing coaches do this to uh, their pupils and stuff. So I, I, under, I understand it for more of that issue where like, you know, maybe if you're a salesperson and you, and you got to make a big deal, maybe you're like, you know, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my load for a while. <laughs> but from like a spiritual thing, I don't know. I just don't know anything about that. You know, it would be pretty interesting if this wasn't just all a bunch of horseshit and this actually did exist. Because think about it. What that would mean is that you How would is be. How is that not proven by now, though? Like, surely that's. I'll, no, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it's not proven. Figure out. No, no. Here's why. Because, okay, first of all, there were various experiments, like people like Rupert Cheltrake do various experiments, not exactly of that sort, but also I think people too easily go into psychedelics. Like, it's very easy to just uh, take some DMT, take some LSD, and just have the trip of your life. To actually sit down like a fucking monk and just meditate in a cave for weeks, that's going to take a lot more effort. And a lot of new agey people, they combine those things together where they would do the psychedelics and they would meditate and then they think they achieved enlightenment. I disagree. I think psychedelics, and this is another thing that I would disagree with Glinkon, uh, or the first thing I would disagree with Glinkon, rather, I don't think psychedelics is the way to go. Because when you take psychedelics, you are artificially giving yourself a certain realization that you did not work for. Look, man, I just come from the thing where if you're taking psychedelics, you're just doing drugs. Like, 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 bro, you can't be that smart on drugs. It's just, I just don't believe that. You know, I just, I went to, I had health class in middle school. I just disagree. You know, By the I've way, done sp- fucking psychedelic drugs, right? I've done like mushrooms mm-hmm. or whatever. I fucking, I think it's hilarious. I love it. But, and, and you do feel like, like, oh, you're seeing things a little differently or whatever. It's just because you're high as fuck. <laughs> wait how many high. how many grams did you take oh i don't know i we just had my girlfriend bought a bar and gave me some or whatever so all right see okay you did not take the terence mckenna heroic dose i would be very interested in what, <laughs> what would happen that? what does that even mean <laughs> okay that's like i think that's like five grams or like three to five grams that's the heroic dose so oh, yeah. when you take that then you go off into the next the next level you go off into you're seeing at least i saw the spinning wheel of fire like green fire the one that uh shiva dances around if you've ever seen that little statue that they have in certain new age shops shiva which is part of the indian trinity he is the god of destruction and Shiva does this cosmic dance around this wheel of fire, which represents like the wheel of life, you know, like birth, death, so on and so forth. And then you have this little dwarf that Shiva's stepping on. And the dwarf <laughs> is supposed to symbolize ignorance. And you can never destroy ignorance. I, I under the dwarf, <laughs> yes, the dwarf. The dwarf I'm vibing with very hard right now. Because this makes no fuck. Put me back in church, because this is the same way I would like. The, the fucking pr- father would be talking to me. He'd be like, yeah, and this is why you can't abort k- children. I'd be like, 
what? I'd be, like, I don't understand. He'd like, the seed of God is in your penis. And I'd be, what? What do you mean? Jeez, God, get away from my wiener. You know, like, it, this shit just done. I am so far from that. Like, my, my connection to the world is nowhere near any of that stuff. Like, I, if I were to describe myself and the reason why I think I've done okay on YouTube in terms of growing is purely I'm the most, like, normal fucking square person where I'm like right in the middle of this shit, you know? Uh, but that's, but I think that is what makes you special because you don't have special any, ed for sure. Yeah. You don't have any pretense about you. Like you're claiming to be some kind of a fucking guru that's trying to solve everybody's problems. Uh, I think we have enough of those, but uh, by the way, we have a super chat here from homework sucks. Uh, four nine, four nine. <laughs> 499 okay accelerate accelerationism is the name of the game all the spooked up terror orgs like i see i don't even know if i should say them for the youtube algorithm reason you know i almost feel like this is this is a trap I mean, if, you're, if you're worried about the transcript going off then maybe not yeah but anyway uh, i don't know again like Google this is 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 a, a, a waffles order of nine bagels I see. Yes, exactly. I mean, when it comes to this stuff, I think people are very r romantic when it comes to what could have happened. For example, some of my favorite conspiracies are about... Uh, have you ever heard of uh, Agartha, Inner Earth? Um, no, I don't know what that is. Okay, I will explain. So, there was this guy named Admiral Byrd who at the end of World War II supposedly had this quote-unquote exploratory expedition into, the, um, into Antarctica. But theory goes is that it was not exploratory. It was him fighting the Nazis that were stationed in Antarctica. And supposedly the Nazis went into Antarctica, went underground, and not only did they have bases underground, like this is where the UFOs are supposed to come from, by the way, like all the UFO what? sightings. Whoa, what? Yes, <laughs> yes. Hold on, give it time. You have to give it time to absorb. Yeah. Okay, okay, no, build. It's a slow burn. Yes, okay. So there was this lady named Marissa Orsic. She had hair like Cousin It. Like she had hair going all the way down to her legs. And this is important because the hair, uh, it's like an antenna, you know, like it gives you psychic energy. And okay. supposedly she had communication with uh, extraterrestrial beings who were not in outer space, but they were in the inner earth. By inner earth, I mean that we're used to thinking about the earth as being like this round thing with like a molten, you know, center and the core inside of it that's rock solid. Bullshit. That's not it. What's really going on is you have like an inverted earth inside of the earth and you have a sun that's inside of the earth, the central sun, a.k.a. the smoky god. There was a book that it's was written about that. kind of the same that. as just cheating. That's kind of the same as having a molten center, right? You just got like no. a little sun in there, right? Yes, but the difference is that people supposedly live inside of this inner earth and it's way better in there than it is out here. Because think about it. We're like in the uh, we're like in the backyard. We're like the dogs that have been left out in the backyard mm -hmm. of the cosmos. All the meteors could strike us and civilization the, the people, just the people in the middle, like I, how is it better? Like, it's what, safe. What do they do? Uh, I think they meditate a lot. I think they just like train there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
bro, this is the most complex, <laughs> ridiculous conspiracy theory I've heard since. It's like, my flat it's my Earth. favorite one. No, no, it's my favorite one. And supposedly the people there are also giant. Like they have giant, you know, giant races there that could go. No, How can dude, you be big inside of the Earth? You're immediately smaller, right? You no, be tiny people. No, because it's really big in there. It's actually <laughs> bigger than out here. Yeah, yeah. Because we're oh, the crust, the crust may no, the crust may not be as big as you think it is. I don't know. Like maybe there was something to this idea. All right, like drop any of this sense of oh, what this cannot be on, real. Hold on, this is what okay. drives me crazy. Okay, maybe there's a sense of this idea. If maybe you were talking about like all right, Martians or or there's like UFO footage or whatever, or there's like this Nazi shit and there's they found like a tunnel up there with like paper. Dude, shit, I'm in. I'm fucking. I love. They did find tunnels. Shit. They did find tunnels. That's fucking cool. Then I'm in. I'm in. Okay, so but the if you instant go, you go. There's a fucking sun in the earth, and there's giants living down. Why is that weird? Peace and love. That's fucking. Why is that no weird, sense, bro? Because what evidence could you have to suggest that? That's like. The fucking tell me Teletubbies live down there, bro. I I believe you. Just, that you could just say anything. Okay, number one, there is this idea that the uh, various museums, including the Smithsonian, have been destroying the giant statues. And there were statues of <laughs> Why about are like there 12. statues above ground. No, no, not statues. What am I talking Skeletons. Skeletons. What the fuck is uh, wrong with these skeletons? Okay. Yeah. Again, so why are there skeletons above the ground, though? Because they came from the inner earth and they. Well, okay. They walked out. They walked out, yeah. I mean, <laughs> think about. No, think about this. Think about. Remember the Bible. So you were you mentioned you had a pastor that was talking about like the seed yeah, of God, yeah, I right? Did CCD, all that shit. Yeah. Wait, what is CCD? CCD is like, um, do you know what confirmation is? And it's like a Catholic. Oh yeah, like, I went to like Catholic a Roman school. Catholic. Yeah, you yeah. like go and you you do like religious school so you could get confirmation and then uh, all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So you were you were raised Catholic then. Yeah, I was Roman Catholic. I was like the full, like, when you think of church and you see it in the movies where it's like fucking dead silent, everyone shuts the fuck up and is sitting there. I, that was my, that was my church. No, that was my church too. I nice. went to. Nice, we're brothers. Exactly. Cheers. Cheers. I went to, uh, even though I am of Jewish stock on my mom's side, I went to Our Lady of Grace school in uh, Brooklyn, and my friend was in the Italian mafia there, and uh, oh, Lord, it was yeah. his parents, you know, cooked, you know, the, like like they made the best pasta, you know, that fresh yeah, grown yeah, tomatoes yeah, in Italian the backyard. Too. My mama cooks it up, although we we miss the mafia part, you know. Mm. Well, if you go like, wait, which part of Italy are your ancestors from? Was, so my grandma was from Sicily, and my grandpa wasn't, but my grandpa would be like super racist about it if he was mad at her he'd be like sicily's so close to africa you're basically one of the n-words you know like he was a fucking dick to her you know oh god simpler time yeah. simpler time but uh maybe there are some uh, mafia people if you like i don't know if you well no dude like yeah so i grew up in Ch the chicago land area so every grandma like uh I, I don't think my grandma ever said this but i had aunts that said this would be like Al Capone had a had a the hots for me and every everybody somehow knew Al Capone. Everyone's Italian grandma somehow had like would be like, yeah, Al Capone hit on me and like shit like that. So no, like absolutely in terms of uh but that's about as far as it goes. Like my family I don't think was ever directly connected to any of that shit. Mm. Well, know, we were all the dumbass factory workers and shit. <laughs> Well, back uh, back to the Nazis. So the Nazis went into the uh, 
inner Earth place, and supposedly they are still there right now. And so all the UFOs are these UFOs that were made thanks to the instructions of the information that Marissa Orsa got from these inner Earth uh, Nephilim people. And the reason why I say Nephilim, the reason why I asked you earlier, like, were you religious? Did you go to a church? Was because, if you recall, in the Old Testament, there was that whole bit about how giants walked the Earth in those days and how the giants had sex with the uh, females of the Earth and they, wait, no, no, not the giants. No, 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 scratch that. The giants came later. So before Dang, that, it was just the fallen the, angels. Even the humans back then are getting cucked by the giants, bro. Feels bad. <laughs> fallen Feels angels. Bad. It was fallen angels. So, which could have been giants too. So the fallen angels, they were the ones who copulated with the earth women and they had giants as kids. And from there, uh, you know, they had like the legendary uh, races of heroes, men of renown, as they wrote about in the Bible. And later on, they just kind of started dying off. And each generation lived less uh, like, you know, you went from like 500 years, to, like a thousand years to, no, no, to, you know, 300 years to like 180 years. And now we're like... You know, the idea being is that maybe what we all came from was like a higher order creature. Of like giants and angels or some shit? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> maybe, I don't fucking know, right? Like, you look, you look back, there was some like weird people animals, right? Like, or not animals, like, what were, what were they? They were the fucking cavemen with the Casey Neistat eyebrows and shit. What were they called? The... Uh, the, uh, the what is wrong with what me? What the fuck were the cavemen people called? They were called like necro Neanderthals. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, so you had shit like that. So maybe, I mean, I don't know, right? I think they found like uh, some weird like uh, people that were just like hairier remains before. They were essentially like old school. They're essentially what we think of as Bigfoots. I think I watched a video about like saying like, hey, these things might have existed. Um, so I don't know. Maybe. Sure. But it's like you know, when we when we think of these. To think those people like exist in an inner earth though, that just sounds fucking insane to me. I mean, we could split atoms, but you're telling me we don't know if there's a fucking whole fucking world inside of our world. How would that we know? Sounds wild, but maybe. How would we know? Here, I'll give you. I'll give you this example, okay? I would think we scan the Earth, right? Like, don't no. we do that? Don't, that's no, no shit's there. We no? can't scan it that deep. No. Okay, shit. I don't know that. Maybe. <laughs> no all right. Idea. Good. Good. So you're so you're on board. So all of this. <laughs> so all of this. Uh, all these I'll stories. Yeah, yes. Sure. All these stories about the UFOs, where they talked about how, oh my God, the UFO went underwater and came back up. This was written about back in the 1950s. This is nothing new. So as I as I want to uh, tell you, I think that the UFOs are run by the Nazis. Not only that. But I think that there is like, like Nazi. Are they all inbreeding with each other? I mean, how many generations deep of Nazi? We got to be three deep. So no, I th no, I think they're Nazis running UFOs, bro. No, I think they're inbreeding with. I think they're breeding with the uh, Nephilim. I think they're breeding with the giants. So they're <laughs> <laughs> just like the old days. Just like the old I days. Need another beer before we go any farther. I'm, I'm Everybody, listen, 
Listen, if you guys are enjoying this, don't forget to subscribe. Press the subscribe button right now. It is extremely important that you do so. BTR must grow right now. BTR is going to be growing stronger and stronger and stronger. There is no way that this could stop. It's going to keep on going because the goal of BTR is to bring all of these different people together who have never spoken. And this you know is why I, the distributist is... is fucked up. You know why? Because why? if you're fucking... If you're the Nazis, you did some of the most horrible fucking shit in the world, right? You did all this, you know, genocide, all, you know, all these concentration camps and shit. And then at the end, you get to go into like some inner society and just fuck giant pussy. What kind of, what kind of sick world is that? You know? I, I can give you my answer then. By the way, <laughs> we have the distributist coming in in the, the like the best time of all. What's so up, Dave? Hey, uh, I didn't realize that was part of the timeline of the <laughs> Nazi regime. Yeah, Must have yeah, missed no, that in the history it's books. It's documented, I think. Okay. <laughs> so, no, before before we go on further, Dave, welcome. Great, great of you to come in. Uh, before we go on further, though, I do want to give you my answer to what I think makes this a lot fairer than it may appear to you right now, Willie Mack. So I think that once they actually came into the inner earth and experienced all these things... It's like you're experiencing something you are not ready for. So the amount of psychic harm, just like the amount of uh, the amount of agony that you are going to experience now that you're at that level. Imagine it's like getting a five-year-old to run a marathon. Okay, you just take a five-year-old, just stick them in the marathon running and have them run the marathon. Don't let him out. But he cannot die. He'll always just have to persist running this marathon. I think that's the Who are the we talking about right now? The Nazis. No We're talking about <laughs> the amount of pressure. No, Willie Mac, let's stay focused. We are talking about the amount of pressure that I think the Nazis would experience once they reach inner earth, once they reach Agartha, this is the amount of shit they're going to have to deal with. They're not in Kansas anymore. It is going to be way tougher. And I think they're going to experience karmically a lot of horrible feeling in order to make up for the horrible things that they did. With that, I'm bringing in the distributist. Dave, thank you so much for coming in again, brother. I really appreciate it. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Oh, it's going Dave, right. It's going great. I read it <laughs> So yes that's like so, you're pretty knee deep into a conversation already but <laughs> no that conversation is already that that ufo has uh, has wrapped has flown. It up. yes that we wrapped okay. it up cool cool yes so now um dave i would love for you to give a little bit of background for willie as far as your your positions go because we are we are not gonna have layman coming in unfortunately layman's not feeling good but i think that okay. this is this is gonna be even better because you're gonna have a chance to speak with somebody who has absolutely no idea what a lot of these things are and it will be a good thing to get somebody who's not involved to kind of hear okay. your point of view out so as far so as are you like a youtuber or like what just real yeah i do i've been making youtube videos since about 2016 and, yeah, and so uh, you've been around a minute then you're like kind of one of my boys from from back in the day then yeah, it's uh, I've been around for a while. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it feels like not that long ago, but I guess it has been a long time in internet time. But yeah, right, uh, cool, I guess cool. my school of thought generally is sort of right wing, uh, kind of reactionary adjacent. Is what I'd oh, say. So you are you're like a political uh, creator then? Yeah, I do political videos. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, mostly, well, I do some stuff, stuff about culture too usually start at the intersection of the two. 
but yeah, um, I don't know. I, originally, I think I was going to talk to Layman about he's a centrist of some kind, right? And uh, I, I've been a huge critic of the sort of anti-SGW centrists because I think that they miss a lot of stuff. And that, that was what my... What is an anti-SJW centrist, just so we can get that? Oh, you know, like Adam and Sitch and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so just people who don't... anti. So is that if that means, like, I've made a video on, like... Um, I don't know if you know what I do. I, I make commentary videos, like Leafy or uh, whatever. Um, it, so I made a video on the quartering <laughs> because he's, like, whole thing is anti-SJW. Yeah, the quartering would be another good example, right? Okay, so is he an anti... Okay, so by anti-SJW centrist, do you mean people that hate anti-SJWs or people who are anti-SJWs? Uh, I mean people who don't like the progressive woke stuff. Okay, all right, cool. But at the same time, don't understand where it comes from. All right, which I is that, like the the woke stuff is an outcropping of how we've set up society in the modern world, and it's based on a lot of decisions that go back at least fifty years. And so what you, you end up doing is you critique all the results of these, these larger effects, but you don't actually get to the core of the problem, which, you know, is, is more or less how we set up politics and power and prestige in the modern day society. Okay. So, so uh, what would you say would be certain things that you would want to change, uh, rearrange in the modern society as far as liberalism goes? So like certain certain things that maybe we take for granted today, like civil liberties, for instance, if we can point at one civil liberty and where you think it went wrong and uh, how do you think it could be addressed, uh, feel free to like, choose any anyone you want, Dave. Well, the question, it's not a well-posed question, in my opinion, because it's not like the liberties that are the problem. It's but, but what the, the liberties gave not... birth to, that would be a fairer way of saying that, right? Or no? Uh, I guess so. I mean, what the liberties gave birth to... Uh, Essentially, the, the the big problems, the problems started emerging in, in sort of the post-civil rights conception of rights. Uh, there were a number of other transformations of our concept of rights, specifically in the New Deal. But civil rights created uh, not only a set of rights that were sort of difficult to maintain, or a set of promises, I should say, that were difficult to maintain. It, it also created an avenue for the endless expansion of bureaucracy and the endless expansion of the idea of protected classes and disparate impact, which is what you're seeing when you're seeing this woke stuff. When you're seeing, when you see this woke stuff is the logical extension of things like affirmative action and disparate impact and equal opportunity carried forward after 30 years of being inculcated into corporate HR departments and university campuses. And unfortunately, no one has a solution for this because we've essentially made the civil rights revolution sacred. So we can't very well say, you know, this is a mistake. You know, we can't, we can't make good on this promise. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, it's essentially handed power over to this class of bureaucrats that run society at all levels, and and will continue to do so as we see the the bureaucratization of of the government and things like, you know, the, there was recently the creation of, um, what is it? The misinformation wing of the Homeland Security Department. Yeah, well, that's that lady yeah. that I put on the uh, thumbnail cover. Yeah. I know, Willie, if you're familiar with uh, that lady we're talking about. No, no idea. So, so Dave, what is she What is she in charge of? Well, that's not very clear at this stage. All, all we know is that the Biden's created a new, 
I don't even know what you call it, but it's essentially a, a, a sub-department of the Department of Homeland Security. And this is the Department of Misinformation. Now, this is a great example of something that all liberal thinkers before the 90s would immediately understand is just horrible and a betrayal of everything liberalism has to rely on. Once the government wades into the discussion over what's true and what's not and creates a department of truth or a ministry of truth. And it starts essentially saying, okay, as the government we're responsible to make sure everyone tells the truth. At that point, the government has completely closed the loop on its own creation because now it's created an avenue uh, where it decides what's true. It decides what's right. It decides what's good. It informs the people, and then the only thing left is for it to collect the votes. And since it controls information inputs, it will eventually control the information outputs. The only way liberalism ever hypothetically worked was that there was an independent market of truth outside of the government itself and outside of the government bureaucracy. Do you without feel that? Like... It's it's you know it's 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 basically what the CCP has with more steps involved. Yeah. Do you feel like there that? Uh... I guess the government does control the media. It would be more accurate to say that the media controls the government. The, the government, the government was doing the thing where, uh, like, look, I only know about stuff kind of involving when it relates back to social media. So we are way out of my, uh, it's my, my, my fucking level of knowledge, right? We're way up here. I'm like down here. Right. But, uh, the government was doing a thing where they like Biden's office, or at least the way she, she presented it was calling sites like Facebook or Twitter and being like, hey, this is misinformation. It would be in your best yeah. interest to try and abide by that. And of course, if you're Facebook or Twitter, you're going to go ahead and do that because you don't want them to start like, yeah, you know, not you. liking you and start yeah. making policy or taking away like your protections and shit. There's, there's a thousand things that could go wrong if you don't cooperate with the government. Yeah. And so this is at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether government controls the media or that the media controls the government. The, the the problem is, is that the locuses of power in both cases are the same group of people. And once the locus, once the people who create the policies are the same people who report on the policies and justify the policies and think about the policies in the universities, once they're totally aligned, then you have a state that has no external controls on it. The, the, the external control that we thought we had under liberalism basically relied on sort of a separation of powers and an independence of individual thinkers. And eventually this eroded due to a variety of circumstantial things, but can, that's what we're dealing with right now. I give my uh, like kind of opinion on sure, this. Yeah, go ahead. I think there's probably like a greater, uh, what's it called? a more diverse set of, of news and media now than there probably has ever been. Absolutely you know? false. I totally disagree with that. Because there, because now like I can go make videos, like talk about the news, right? Oh, maybe because you know maybe, maybe if you not like Jeremy, Jeremy's doing it and Jeremy's like his own yeah. independent or uh, Joe Rogan, for instance. I mean, that's yeah, all the big these one. people, all these people can go ahead and make videos talking about it. You don't have to work for Fox or CNN or, you know, NBC or whatever to, to go ahead and make your own videos talking about shit that's happened. The internet, the internet has broadened things a little bit, but just generally speaking, if we're talking about the range of ideas that that people discuss, the range of different ideas has radically contracted over the last 100 years or so. Define the range of different ideas. 
Well, you wouldn't have any problem finding free love people in 1920 in the universities or communists in the universities, but you have a very difficult time finding, you know, monarchists in the universities or, yeah. you know, Georgists in the universities or what any like, you, Holy shit. well, you see, again, that's a huge school of economic thought or mercantilists, right? These are uh, huge schools of thought that are just disappeared, right? It's like languages. The number of languages that are in the world has gone down in the last hundred years. Okay. And so has the diversity of ideas. Now, maybe the internet's going to reverse this. That's that's a huge point of hope. But at least before the advent of the internet, the contraction of the idea space has been really radical. And just in my own life, if you look at the universities, I mean, the, the intellectual diversity in a university classroom in 2020 compared to 1980, oh boy. I mean, well, I wasn't really looking at the universities in the 80s, but... Yeah, how you know, you modern day know college students are just incapable of conceptualizing anything outside of a very narrow band of ideas that they're introduced to by their professors, and mm -hmm. they'll get they'll they'll, they'll get offended. They'll start panicking if you introduce them to anything outside of that envelope. Right, because dude, because young people, I don't care who it is, young people all the time think they know everything. Like high schoolers think they know everything, and then when they're challenged you know are kind of mind blown that's why you have people like destiny where he was like in his 20s and he was like full like super liberal he's now he's like yeah i'm a capitalist and now he kind of like is, is seen as like a little bit more in the middle than he used to be you know um so i, think I don't like know i mean destiny for, for destiny in my opinion that. is very much inside the narrow envelope of acceptable ideas uh, Destiny is very much a reflection of the typical, mm -hmm. I, maybe it's a little bit to the right of where the modern universities are, but at least when I was in the universities, Destiny is very typical of your standard How college. old are you? Were you in the universities like in the like, 90s? No, no. Or I, I was in the universities like in 2005, right? But oh, I went okay. to graduate school yeah. multiple times and I saw it change over the course of getting several degree, degrees. Yeah. You know and so I, I have a broad survey of how that idea has changed between 2003 I, I'm and I kind of believe you on that stuff just because um, – like shit, dude. It felt like every school, I, like when I was in college or my friends were in college and I'd get invited over to parties, it was like, like all these schools I would go to would be like, if I talked to somebody there, they'd be like, if you liked Donald Trump, get the fuck out. You know, like shit like that. Yeah, that's, like, that would be inconceivable in 1980. I didn't even fucking vote. Like, mm. give me a break. <laughs> Wait, ho break hold on there. Do I, I want to kind of counter what Dave is saying. In the uh -huh. 1960s, though, you also had... I mean, maybe you could say you had more of a diversity, but the kind of diversity that we're talking about here, you had people who were ardent Maoists, uh, you know, Leninists, you know, people who were very much, you know, being, I think, professor-wise, being paid by the USSR at that time, that was still a great power that did have a lot of influence over young people's education. And I was also bringing up to Willie before you came in, you're probably familiar, Moldbug mentioned this book, and I read it later on, The Red Decade by Eugene Lyons. Dave, do you know that book? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not contesting that the universities were left. They've been left for the last 100 years, pretty much. Actually, almost exactly that. The hundred years ago, that's when the universities first really started going left. Uh, but but still, there was a larger range of ideas on the university campus. You could find non-left ideas on the university campus, and college students and college professors were much more able to conceptualize and argue over a variety of different ideas. And you just have to look at videos of debates 
and colleges in like the 60s do you feel like that's it's a generational just... thing though to a degree like uh like for instance like you've had all these um republican parents for years being like all right if you want to make money you go into business you go into sales you go in creating your own thing right and then you had all these uh these fucking lefty people being like you know what you teaching's great healthcare, fucking whatever so of course like generationally the farther it gets down the line you know there's of course there's going to be a bunch of left-leaning people in schools because all those people get taught that they mm-hmm. you know, to love education and art and And how there's an argument for that being the case, maybe in the 70s or 80s. I don't think that's that might might have been the reason why in the 80s more. No, no, I'm talking about that's why it's like that now. But all right, but but now you know now it's permanent, right? Because now even 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 if well, I mean, how does it go back, right? Because there aren't Republicans who are going to the universities to be college professors. But but maybe something happens where that is the thing, right? It's the fucking you can never predict what's going to happen. There could you can't predict what's going to happen, but you can see the dynamic. And I think that the universities are just going to degrade in quality until they're replaced by something. That I, I think it'll get to the point where it's like. Yeah, instead of a university, why not go to like a, a trade school of sorts? Like, for instance, I did film. I went to a trade school for film. Most of the people there, like most of the kids, it didn't matter what color skin they had. Most of them were more right leaning, just because they wanted to start their own business and go into stuff like that. Okay, but the uh, trades, but that that, that kind of contradicts your original point, right? Because no, you no, were saying, hold on, hold on. You were saying initially that it would reverse when more Republicans became teachers mm-hmm. and academics and stuff like that. But you don't get to be a teacher or an academic in trade school. And the teachers and the right. academics no, will. Right. Con- yeah. I mean, this is th- sort of the process that the well, at least my school of the right loves pointing to that the teachers and the academics control the ultimate direction of ideas and it's filtered through the media and then through the government. I guess what I was saying unelected officials. Just to clarify what I was saying, I was kind of at a cutting edge school. So I'm saying there would probably be more, maybe there would be more schools like that, you know? So if if you want to go to business instead of going to get like a four year degree, you just go to like a two year fucking school to, yeah, set you up and figure, mm. figure that shit out. Yeah, and sure, I'm sure that right wingers are going to do that more, but that's mm-hmm. not gonna that's not gonna make acad- that's not gonna reverse yeah. the trend in academia, right? Because that's just continuing the trend that you brought up initially in the 70s and 80s, where the right wingers just don't do academia anymore. No, no, yeah, and, maybe you're right. I have yeah, a I I have that. a counterpoint though for uh, what Dave was talking about. How much do you think college in general today, if we're not talking about trade school, if we are talking about this professional managerial class stuff, how much do you think that is kind of like looking at television once you have the internet? Do you know what I mean? Like how much do you think a lot of these ways that people got education is going to be as important to companies going forward? I know that there were some tech companies, I don't remember their names right now, that made it a policy not to discuss anything political in the uh, you know in the workplace. Almost like they're be- they're starting to become aware of how toxic this entire thing is and even though they can't outright say, you know, if some of them have opinions that would be considered to be faux pas, they are trying to, I think, in a way, make it so that people can go through their workplace without having all of this uh, woke propaganda uh, be yeah. there all the time. We'll have to see, but the thing is, Lev, this, like I said, this is not a pure market force you're seeing here. The reason why this woke stuff is in corporations 
is because in many ways it's mandated in law through the Equal Opportunity Commission. Now, Richard Hanania, who's sort of a, well, I don't exactly know what his ideology is. He's kind of a former progressive that's done a rightward turn. He's done a lot of work detailing this, but there's a reason why all corporations are woke, and that is because of extensive civil rights law from the 1970s. I don't even think all corporations are woke, dude. I don't, I don't know why you say that. What do you mean by woke, I guess? I mean that, okay, so the, I worked a lot in industry. Mm-hmm. You will go through an HR department course that will bring you up to speed on things like microaggressions and gendered pronouns and all those sorts of stuff. This is the, the, these companies, they hire out HR consultants. Where do you work? I was in Cali and now I'm in, well, I'm in I the mean, East don't you Coast, think right? that plays but, a role in it though? <laughs> you're in a corporation in fucking California, dude. That's just the culture out California, there. Oh, and, and New York in the, too. In the, mid, in the Midwest, I never fucking saw that shit. Okay, great. But so the economy, this is another thing too. You may have yeah. realized this. Things that happen in California eventually get to the Midwest. <laughs> this is... You can see this quite clearly, right? You think it's only in California that it eventually With comes to the Midwest. Like, give an I'm telling you, like everything, like gay marriage, <laughs> right? Dude, gay marriage. I think gay marriage is a totally legit thing, though. That's like, not like, what I'm saying. I'm saying that the, the the trends, the social trends you see in New York and California, eventually spread out. You can think they're good. You can think they're bad. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's unquestionable what direction it goes in. But you pointed towards a good thing, so obviously good things should spread. Right? No, Bad no, no. This is wrong. This is wrong. This shouldn't. is wrong thinking. This is no, 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 no. This is you're confusing is and odd at a fundamental level, right? Okay. I'm talking about sociological phenomenon, not our opinions on whether they're good or not, right? Like we don't divide the universe into good things and bad things. We try to categorize it by what kind of phenomenon it is, and then map its progress through. Well, the... Describe phenomenon though, because like obviously the current culture does put things in good or bad. I don't know what you mean. I mean, you're, you're, you're saying that. I'm saying that it makes sense that like a progressive idea that's good would spread, right? If it I showed makes... you a progressive idea that like white privilege would be a good example. Mm. Like All right, white there privilege, we go. I was seeing that in like the early 90s in, in California. It comes out of Harvard in okay. the early 1980s, right? So early 1980s, it's in Harvard and Berkeley. Early 1990s, it's like in most educated circles in in California. In the early 2000s, it's in all the major cities. Now it's like in kindergarten classrooms, okay? Okay. Like, I, I, we can go through all of the examples. There are well, tons just, of just them, to right? clarify, when I question you, it's because I don't know, right? So I'm okay. I'm, sure, I'm sure, that's fine. Asking you to fucking, you know, to just cite something so I can understand. No, I'll give an example. Right? I mean, that's you know? You, all of these trends you can see coming down the line. They take this path. Now, I, I assure you that, like, you know, Coca-Cola, which comes from isn't their headquarters in Atlanta? They're mm-hmm. just as woke as everyone else, right? Lockheed Martin, who makes weapons, is woke. Like their HR department, like there, there are things that come out. Like you can see this on Twitter with the people who they, they spend all their time covering this stuff. Like you think Lockheed Martin and Co- like since Coca Cola is a southern company and Lockheed Martin makes missiles, you think that they're right wing. But people, the people report from their HR seminars and like Coke is running HR seminars where they tell their employees to be less white. Right. So like that was a famous if quote. They that say came out the last term year. be like swipe, that sounds fucking insane to me. 
Okay, but, but it's, it's coming just like, out of don't the corporation be a, don't that be comes a from a red state, right? Dick to your black employees, then I'm like, that makes sense. But yeah, if it's as blatant as be less white, then that's fucking crazy. Mm. Yeah. No, but oh, even the idea of saying of woke capital, yeah. right? This sure. is a phenomenon that's really easy to observe right now, right? Okay. You can see it in all major corporations that function with an HR department. Yeah, because you had, like, there's that a Gillette pro- commercial where it was like, yeah, Gillette's a great boys example too, right? It's like that was seen as like a really bad boys should not be boys. Yeah, so it's it's a, this is a company that markets mostly to men, yeah. that markets mostly to like masculine men. That was always their demo. That demo skews right, and they release you know woke propaganda. So what? like, go on. So and the question is. If a company comes from a conservative place or markets to a conservative population or sells to uh, the military, which is traditionally conservative, why is it that those corporations are going woke? Well, it's, the, it's they're going woke because of the, 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 the law, basically, because of things like disparate impact and the HR, the human resources regime that comes at a disparate impact in protected classes and also the force of the universities. All right, so I have a counter to this. So, uh, all right, so Dave, I definitely understand a lot of these things you're talking about. I mean, you know, it's not my first (laughs) rodeo in terms of hearing a lot of these uh, things, and I think more people should hear about them. But what I think uh, are certain uh, silver linings that are uh, that that I'm at least seeing. I know I mentioned this organization before, FAIR, the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, and I know that uh, some people more on the right see it as being a very, you know, centrist organization that's very, you know, prim and proper. But when you were talking before about how a lot of the liberals are repeating the talking points of the conservatives back in the early 90s, I actually see what's going on right now as something something very interesting because if they are getting on board a lot of these talking points things that maybe you know they and their positions would have ignored back in the day maybe that means that if we have organizations that are legitimate that have lawyers behind them that can advocate for people who end up being discriminated against in this kind of like re- reverse way if you could say that then I think there may be a chance to slowly start to fix a lot of these problems because I never want to just look at history and say like, okay, it's just going to go into this trajectory. Things may come in waves. Things may come in, you know, it gets to a peak and then as soon as it becomes incredibly ridiculous, then things start to slowly change from within the elite. I don't think it would change from a grassroots level. I think it would change from the elite when enough elites see what happens when their kids go into schools where they're they're taught absolute bullshit, which was the experience of a lot of the parents that I was speaking with, you know, who bring their kids in these very highfalutin places where they're being taught how evil they are because they're white, you know, and these are like 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds. So that I see is the hope. You would predict that like blue staters like Nancy Pelosi is going to balk at this and decide that she should become anti-woke when her grandchildren see this, you know? No, na- no, like not the... Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi okay. is but her yeah. friends, right? Or something. I would say her friends, neighbors. friends of friends of friends, neighbors of neighbors of neighbors. That's the way that I would say it. I don't think it's something, I don't think we've had enough time right now to see how exactly a lot of these, I guess you could say, L- former John Stewart watching liberals 
former Bill Maher watching liberals may start to come around. I don't think they would do it in the reactionary way of I'm going to attack it head on because I don't know, maybe it's because I like thinking just in terms of deeper you know, like more underground type of strategy when it comes to these things. Not everything has to be set out in the open. Certain things could be done a little bit quieter, a little bit behind the scenes, as long as they end up having the right consequences. Because I think there are a lot of people that I've spoken to who you would say, well, these are just like the average Bill Maher watching liberals that are sick to death of a lot of this stuff. But their approach to fixing it may be a little bit differently than yours. I guess I mean, I can't predict the future. Maybe that will happen. What I can say is it didn't happen in the 90s. All that happened is people got more and more powerful. You know, they, they, they got a little bit quieter for about 10 years, and then they came back twice as powerful. The reason why they came back twice as powerful is that even when they were quiet, they were still hiring people with their opinions. If this is going to be reversed, then there are going to have to be a lot of people who lose their jobs. At this point, there are an enormous number of bureaucrats who we pay to be ideological in this way there's going to be a pushback on this stuff. Those people are going to lose their jobs and they will not lose their jobs quietly. These people are not quiet people. So, you know, I can't predict the future, but anybody who stops this trend, it's not going to be a subtle thing. It, there's going to be a lot of people who fight back on any attempts to unseat wokeness. I mean, just right now, there's a lot of elite universities in this country and they've created, there's been an enormous amount of mayhem caused by this woke stuff over the last, I mean, I've been doing YouTube for what, six years now? This woke stuff was going on in these universities to the point where they were losing, like in Miss, in Missu, right? Missouri State, I think. Mm -hmm. they, they lost a huge number of their incoming class because of a woke explosion. Can anyone here name any major university that has had a serious woke pushback to the extent where they were firing administrative staff? to become less woke, has that ever happened? Like, and it's been six years since I started my channel. Probably right? not because be, being woke, uh, what, what is it? The road to hell is like paved in good intentions, right? So it's like, you probably okay. aren't gonna fire somebody for, for being like, you know what, you know, whatever, whatever, insert woke thing here, right? Okay, but like, think of how many people have been fired for being associated with a microaggression. I have a no ton, idea. A ton. I don't have many. Lots of lots of junior professors, lots of administrative staff have been fired for for transgressing against wokeness. So in the six years since I've done my channel, after the point where it already was obviously insane on these university campuses, there have been more people fired for being anti-woke than there have been people fired for being woke. That means we're still going in the woke direction. So it, it, I mean, if, if that whole, if that the whole Yale though? and Missou stuff was not, if that wasn't insane enough in 2016, like the, 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 the insanity barrier has to be beyond that point for people to wake up. What do you think about the, uh, the, like, I just see this on Twitter. So I haven't looked into like how true a lot of these stories are, but every, every, it seems like two days, there seems to be somebody trending that says like, uh, you know, I'm a trans teacher, you know, I had a gay pride flag in my classroom or whatever and staffs come in they told me to take it down they've said i can't tell my students that i'm trans or gay or that i got a husband or whatever it is right so would that count as like you know maybe they don't fire them but they're kind of pushing them towards just like they've got a few people the fired. Fuck out and quit yeah isn't that yeah, but kind like, of they like have being they have fired fire. for being woke right yeah, I mean, there have been a few people who have been fired for being woke, but it's got to be way more extensive mm. than that. It's got to be at the level of the universities. 
and down on Why through the federal administration. Like the universities, do you feel like that's the ultimate place of influence? Yeah, it is. It, ultimately, yes. The new idea is the internet with all these social media people and YouTube being, I think YouTube's probably most of the creators on YouTube, I think are fairly, uh, you know, more right than on Twitter, at least Twitter is like super lefty, but I think, uh, okay. But who do I the people YouTube's fairly like pretty much right? You know, a lot who of does the ruling class listen to. Like the when, when looking for who new the ideas. I don't even know who the ruling class is. Just people, people with money. No, the people who make decisions about policy in our country, right? Or yeah, people like with government? money, right? Like, you could include like rich bankers. Like who do the people who go to Davos and and manage banks listen to? Who do the people who run the New York Times listen to? Who do the people who run Hollywood listen to? Who do the people who staff the State Department listen but to? You do, you do, who do the, saying, all the congressional staffers listen to? Of course, to Hollywood is left leaning because. All, all their, all the people that like parents are like, yo, you want to be a fucking actor? No, go, don't do that shit. Go be, go into business. You know, it's like fucking. Of course, that's that way. You know? Okay, but we weren't arguing why it was that way. We were arguing whether it was that way. Yeah, no. It's and that despite way. on whether, well, despite on your reasons for why it was that way, it uh -huh. is that way. All the people at the top who run major organizations in a political capacity all uniformly get their ideas either directly from the universities or from the universities via the mainstream press like the New York Times. Okay. The New York Times gets all of its ideas from Yale, Harvard, and Berkeley. And most of the ruling class, again, gets all their ideas either from the university or they get it from the New York, or things people like the New York Times or, or prestige media, which is just adding another step into the process. Okay. But don't you think that a lot of these, not only the universities, but the people that absorb a lot of these things from the universities, if we're looking at Saki and the uh, lady who ended up replacing her, there just seems to be a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of weakness. Not to say that they're not strong in maintaining their particular brand, but it almost seems like people who are aware, people who are capable of building something, creating something kind of like the future Elon Musks of the world, I think that they'd be looking at people who are going in that direction, if not lower, in the uh, next several uh, years or a decade or so. And I think that they'd be, uh, you know, kind of laughing to themselves, like, who the hell are these people? Like, why do these people have any, uh, you know, say in uh, how the system ends up working? And I don't think they're going to be alone. Like, if you have enough people that have been able to make money, that are innovative, that are able to create certain things out in the world, I don't think these people would have an ounce of respect for Jen Psaki or any of these Washington insiders. You know, mm. I think they would just spit in their face if they wanted to. So those are the people who I actually see creating a different sort of reality here, teaming up with, let's say, I know, DeSantis in Florida, you know, people who are right now having a bit of a pushback on a lot of this stuff. Because if it gets worse, like, okay, Dave, let's say you're right. Let's say it gets so bad that it becomes absolutely insufferable, even more than it is right now. Mm -hmm. You would have to assume that a lot of these future Elon Musks of the world are just going to sit there quietly, not do anything, not figure out some kind of way to make sure that their kids are not going to be absorbing this bullshit. And this is why I'm giving you the counter argument that at least having my feet on the ground of the people who are complaining about this stuff, these are not poor people. You know, these are not people without connections. Uh, yeah, that's definitely the failure mode, right? You're absolutely right about what you're saying is that's the emerging dynamic is it's going to be people who are 
it's going to be basically the the deep state and the universities versus people who are practically powerful, who, who whose power derives from being able to deliver practical results, either through business or through techniques. But you know that's that's a hard that's a hard fight. That's a hard fight because there are very few of those sort of practically powerful people. When it and the, the the relative amount of power they wield at the government level is very limited, and furthermore, they're not spontaneously self-organizing. No, so, I agree. I, I know that it's a hard fight, but what's important for me, at least in this kind of fight, is that is that it's still done within our very flexible liberal framework. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't want to be bad faith when it comes to how you see the world, because I know that you were talking about Caesarism, not in the case that you want there to be a Caesarism. You see that as being more inevitable. But as you've probably heard me talking many times about uh, you know, criticizing the uh, top-down governments, that they are very inflexible. They have a lot of ass-kissers who only want themselves to uh, appeal to whatever authority is above them and so on and so forth. And sure, you could say, well, it's like that right now. But yeah, again, I'd say that, exactly. I knew you were going to say that. But again, this is why I say that within our liberal system, it makes sure that they are, there are still going to be people like DeSantis coming around. And I have plenty of examples of societies where that is not the case, where you actually don't have that much of a choice at all, where it literally is a boot on your neck type of society. That is always the example that I give to uh, people who are more reactionary, who, and I'm not saying that you welcome there being a king, but you got to admit plenty of people do welcome the idea of, you know, or rather they'd look the other way if, for example, we did have like an, a Mussolini 2.0, for example. You know what I mean, Or right? an FDR 2.0. Or an FDR yeah. 2.0, exactly. I mean, Willie, I, we were talking about FDR before uh, Dave came in. You, these sort of yeah. supremely powerful executives, right? They are you know, they're not always good, but they're sometimes just inevitable, like amputating a limb that has gangrene on it. The, the problem with the, the, the democratic process as we have it set up is that it, it essentially, first of all, you know, when you have people like DeSantis and Elon Musk coming around, you'll notice something. And that is when they come on the scene, they're not causing the system to become more moderate or move to the center. All they're doing is splitting away their side further away from where the rest of the government and the universities and the elite media are already going. So what you see there is more of a division than a moderation. So that's one problem. Well, that's and a start. So eventually this is going to come to a head, right? Eventually there's going to be a conflict over this. Not necessarily, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying a, a, an armed conflict, but there's going to be just an open power struggle as these sides diverge. And the difficulty with you know this this democracy idea is that it's very difficult, or the quote unquote democracy idea, right? Because we're not really a democracy, but it's very difficult to to seize power at a large level from the side that we're talking about, from like the Elon Musk side. But it's very, very, very easy to seize power from the Gen Saki side. Willie, what do you think of that? This is like way above my head. I have no fucking clue what's going on. All right, the one thing, the <laughs> if one. We, th if we reconnect this to the fucking internet, maybe I got an idea. I don't know. I don't know. I think Elon's influential. I think people like him, but yeah, I, mean, I don't know. This is way above I, this concept. I, I don't way think. Above me, I don't think you know? uh, Desantis and Elon. Uh, you know, they're not good enough for a lot of these. Uh, you know, a, 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 a lot of these. You know pinky uh, drinking uh, people like Chris Alton over here in the chat who is like DeSantis and Elon are both liars where it's like look 
you're never going to have a perfect solution to a lot of these things. You're going to have people who maybe have grifters or whatever. I don't give a shit about that. What's more important to me is that there is a sense, at least in the people who are following, you know, people like Elon DeSantis, that there is some way out. And uh, I understand what Dave is talking about as far as there may be some kind of a struggle later on. Again, I think we're only looking at it from the limited amount of information that we currently have right now. And history in general has had a lot of these ups and downs. Again, talking about uh, when most of the intelligentsia were Stalinist, when we had Stalinist agents in the White House, thanks to FDR. And again, sure. I'm not looking at somebody like FDR as being a great example of American president. I, I don't even know what would have happened if the guy would have lived. So in a way like... How, how uh, do you see that, the, you know, how do you see like DeSantis saving the situation? Wouldn't at some point he have to pull the the mainstream New York Times and Harvard people to the right at some point? How, I, how does he say? Yo, yo, I just like the guy Michael in the chat. He's just like, maybe that's not the problem. Maybe the country literally balkanizes. <laughs> that's what's literally happening right now. <laughs> that's my favorite. That's what a lot of people think are happening. No, I, I, I think it's, I mean, like right now we have half the country who says the other half of the country are child groomers. And then the other half of the country says that the, the red half are, are child abusers over the question of trans kids, quote unquote. I don't know. I have a feeling, uh, Willie was alluding to this before. I have Fucking a feeling normal. that these, yes, I have a feeling that these things repeat itself. Okay, I'll give you this example, Dave. I know this is not necessarily mm -hmm. what you were talking about, you know, like uh, specifically, but back in, let's say, Imperial Russia, if you read, I believe it was, um, uh, I think it was Anna Karenina, where Tolstoy was writing about how this one guy would, uh, you know, this one Russian nobleman would wake up in the morning and he would read his specific newspaper, you know, never the other one. He always read this specific one that garnered to his specific tastes. And he knew that when he read it, he was going to receive all the information that he already knew he knew what this was going to tell him, but he enjoyed that. He enjoyed the feeling of wanting to be right. And there were a lot of various things, you know, the fucking civil war, for instance, you know, there were various things going on in history where people felt very divided. And I don't dude, think dude, it's anything yeah. new. Constantly, fucking constantly. Like, if you think this is the most divided the country's been, you're fucking insane, dude. Just look at, okay, look at the fucking history, man. It's you may, you may, uh, understand a key political difference between czarist russia and, and our system right that's the benefit of monarchy is that you don't give a shit about how no! your country is no you're wrong because that's what screwed it up in the first place that's why we got communism in russia i mean i'm sorry to i'm, I'm, I'm sorry to budge in here but that's i think the key part because the government of russia imperial russia was so fucking inflexible because there was this feeling among not only the uh serfs that were freed but also among of the like the the um minor upper class people that something is incredibly wrong here something is incredibly unfair i'll give you one example in the early 20th century there was a famine which was naturally made in russia it was naturally made because there were people who had loads of grain who were the nobility who were shipping that grain overseas Meanwhile, it was the United States, because we have actually a culture that gives a shit, it was the United States that was sending grain to Russia in order to help alleviate this famine. But what that is, was this? I believe this was very, very early 20th century, if not very late 19th century. It had to century. be like the early, yeah, 
1900s, right? Yeah. So no, is, no, late 1900s. Before World War One and Zara. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Before that. Okay. I think this is around the war with Japan. But uh, my point here is that there was a lot of grievance that people felt. Same thing with a lot of grievance that people felt in uh, pre-revolutionary France. And when the system is so inflexible that the only choice that people are left with is to create a revolution, that's when things really get bloody. And that inflexibility comes around from not having a separation of powers, from not having an ability to have some kind of a, you know, some new people, some new blood coming in, maybe not coming in through the traditional route. Well, we it came never... through Stalin. And no, Stalin was way later. No, I mean, what do you mean? It was like 20 years later? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, like 20 years later is not way later in my book. Well, he was a direct consequence of the specific period you're talking about. Yeah. And there, there's just there's no way that you can hold a country together as divided as Russia without some kind of very, very powerful central authority, because if they don't, that country is going to split apart. And, you know, I don't know. We're a long way away from that right now in America. But the, the process of, of this division is going to have huge consequences from our ability to operate liberally. Once half of the country thinks the other half of the country should be in jail, how are you going to have liberalism function? I mean, dude, honestly, I think like half this like uh, liter uh, what's it called? For, what is it called? The way people speak. What is that called? Like, I don't know. Literature, ver verbal, the way we verbalize shit. The reason Rhetoric. why it's so fucking crazy right now is because of the internet, right? You have like, uh, if you want something to be heard online, which is where everybody's talking, you have to fucking say it in the most volatile way possible. If you fucking hate Donald Trump, you say he goes to jail. If you hate Hillary Clinton, you say she belongs in prison and you're going to put her ass in jail, right? None of it ever fucking happens because everyone's <laughs> talking shit, but that's just how it is because every mainstream media uh, outlet has to compete with every fucking no-name YouTuber like me or you posting videos too because we're going to use the most volatile title to get views. And so, of course, they have to then as well, you know? Like, so I think it's kind of natural that... Okay, you know, but this, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Initially, initially... What so was you're saying we're going to build up to... Let me finish. Let me finish. Initially, this country, after the 60s, when the division started, this country was held together because the mainstream media just controlled all the information. Now that monopoly is essentially going away. But with this diversity of opinions, what you're, this is not causing the division. It's exposing the division. The division was created by earlier conflicts, largely coming out of the 60s. And it exacerbated over time. What the internet did is it, is it said, well, without the total domination of places like CNN controlling the center, you know, we're going to expose how different you really see the world. It's so different that you can't even agree on how to teach children who are five about relationships without one side calling the other side uh, child uh, abusers. Ah, that is fucking interesting, honestly. That's an interesting way to word it. I got to think on that. I do like that is interesting though. And by the way, the famine uh, for the people in the chat who were saying 30s, no, this is the Russian famine of 1891 to 1892. So mm -hmm. people have not heard about that famine and there was a very big effort, uh, a relief effort on behalf of the United States to help them out. Meanwhile, a lot of these rich uh, Russian nobility people, they just wanted to get richer, so they just sent their grain overseas while their own people were starving. Dave. So 
Yeah. No, go on, go on. No, well, that's that's the big reason why I look at a country like uh, Russia, the way that its government was set up, I think it needed more time in order to transition into, let's say, it was close to being what it could have been, you know, in a much better way after the first revolution of 1917, where they had this kind of like parliamentary system in place like the uh, Duma. And then after that came the, uh, you know, came Lenin and Trotsky and screwed everything up. So there were certain opportunities where it could have gone the other direction. I don't believe in this whole thing. Well, some people are just, you know, always going to be like this. I think at the same time, I do think do you there are different- about Afghanistan. Like if we just given them more time, they would have been able to, you know, make this democracy thing work. To me, I become increasingly convinced that they're just some, it's not that the people are like worse it's just that the situation they're in with the radical cultural divisions in the country and and the radical divisions that occur between tribes and regions and and the lack of trust, those situations are not amenable to democracy. So it doesn't matter how long you give Afghanistan, it will never be amenable to democracy because no one party will ever be able to trust the other party with power when their back is turned. And if you can't have that trust, you can't have democracy. I mean, dude, I, it, it, it's like asking for democracy to just like happen naturally. Like the way it happened even in England is like such a bizarre scuffed situation where it was like because of the fucking plague, the the black the black plague or whatever it was fucking called, right? Like there was such a lack of uh, of workers, people started to pay peasants to leave to come to them and work on their farms more and more, right? So then it like slowly started from there. Like, dude, it's like an I'm not so sure. I think the, the emergence rights. of democracy really came from the Reformation. And sure. in, in England, it came with Oliver Cromwell, who was a crazy, I mean, he, he ruined, he, uh, Oliver Cromwell, I mean, thank God his reign was so short, but he was the first democratic leader. I mean, he's a democratic dictator, essentially. But he, I think he almost ruined the country. He certainly ruined half of the art. He certainly ruined most of the folk art in England. Mm. And had there not been a restoration of monarchy, I think that England would be a cultural wasteland right now. I can answer your Afghanistan question. So with Afghanistan, I don't think it's right to look at it and say, well, uh, can they or can they not have democracy? I think democracy is something that happens after you would first have to have a high enough civilization. And in order to have a, sure, and in order to have a high enough civilization, I think it comes down to, for example, what are the kind of values that uh, the parents would pass on to their kids. And there are certain things like you know, Lord Miles had a fun time in Afghanistan. He met you know the Taliban people, and I'm sure there were certain very romantic things there that go on. You know, like an honor-based society that people may look back on and say, "Oh man, I wish we had that." But at the same time, I think that it's wrong for people to assume that some people are just like in this one state they're always going to be in the state again i look at north korea versus south korea for example and south korea that was the result of uh, the united states uh, for a pretty big extent like do you think that that was i i don't want to do like one of these gotcha questions but in general like i think that it was a good thing that the united states was able to reach out and to help South Korea and to turn South Korea into uh, what it is today with all the problems that it has, you know, eight goddesses, whatever. But you see my point, right? Like, there was this lending that America gave to South Korea, which I think did shape it into being more civilized. 
Yeah, I mean, South Korea's democracy is pretty young, and it, it essentially exists as a protector of the United States. But I'll make it simpler for this. I, I agree with you, but I don't like this higher civilization. It's too vague for me. T to me, it's actually way, way easier to quantify this. There's just one metric that, is so, that, that determines whether liberals, well, not one, but the most important metric, the one that is the most lacking, uh, the frequently the most lacking is, how much do people trust promises? How much do people trust promises from each other? How much do people trust promises from their abettors? How much do people trust promises? And how much value is there ethically in the morals that children are raised, raised with to tell the truth and to keep your promise? That, politically speaking, is what determines uh, the the uh, the the how 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 able you are to to do this sort of power sharing thing. Now, I mean, th there there's a lot of different ways this can break down. It can break down individually, like individually people aren't trustworthy. But I would say in in, in something like czarist Russia, I think individual people were very trustworthy. I think it was just the country was so far flung and divided, and there are so many little ethnicities uh, that that sort of collectively there was no trust in between groups, and that's what made it very very difficult. To, to run any other way than essentially uh, an autocracy. I would want Willie to comment on this. What I think is my biggest Don't criticism. Ask me to comment on this. <laughs> what I think I want you to comment on this. What I think is the big my biggest criticism comes down to while I agree it's good when people are able to trust each other. Obviously, nobody would say otherwise. I think the biggest criticism is the idea that people trust each other. Uh, you know, outside of their family, let's say. Uh, but still, like within their society, because they have this inherent sense of, you know, trusting as opposed to if I don't trust somebody or if I, let's say, steal something, then I'm going to have my hands chopped off. Then I'm going to be punished in some incredibly severe way. I don't know if the right way to think about this is to say, like, we have to have these barbaric punishments or these old school ways of handling the problems, I think that's not the case because a lot of the people who, let's say, come from the Middle East who go into, uh, you know, I'm not talking about like the doctors and the scientists. I'm, you know, specifically talking about like a lot of the military age men that make the trek over there that, you know, are, let, let's say, like the lower, the lower uh, rung of society. Um, they, unfortunately, you know, like they, they're used to living in a very law abiding environment with a very harsh kind of law. When that harsh law is not there anymore, there's nothing to stop them from a lot of the unfortunate things that we've seen. And I don't think that's the best way of going about life. For example, I think if I were to go into South Korea, I don't think people would act a certain way at that point because they're afraid of, you know, oh my God, what if I get caught or what if somebody chops my hand off? I think in general, it's just already been cemented through the kind of education that they had, through the kind of influences they, that they had growing up with their parents, that they wouldn't even think of doing that. And that, I think, separates the more primitive societies of Russia, let's say, that used to exist with the serfs and uh, South Korea or Japan. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the I kind of lost my train of thought here. Your, your example was that that people would trust each other more. But I think you have it backwards, right? Because, you know, the, the harshness of punishment is needed because people are, are more violent and more rebellious. 
if for instance, you know, I'm, I'm the death, you'd probably be against the death penalty in our current society. But if I were to send you back to the middle ages, if you didn't use the death penalty against people who were rebelling against the state, you, you would, your head would be on a pike. Of course. I mean, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be enough jails to put all of the dissenters Stal in. And, Stalin. and people wouldn't, people wouldn't believe that because the dissenters would get into jail and their friends yeah. would murder you and take them out of jail. Right. No, no. Stalin would have been a great leader for a certain period of time. You know, like certain leaders, you could say if you transported them to the 13th or 12th century, you know, they would have been exactly what the doctor ordered. But that's the whole idea. We're not living at that time anymore. And these things change. I mean, right, Willie, like, uh, you understand what well, I'm saying, but, that's, right? but no. But as you're doing the mistake, you're. We don't. We didn't live in those times in the 20th century, but we could be going back to something that's more similar to those times in the 20th century. History is not a unidirectional process. You know, when when our societal trust was very very high, and the order in our society was very very high, we could get away with having very light punishments and in very liberal society. You know, but but as that morality and that trust drains away, harder measures necessarily have to come in, otherwise the society descends into chaos. Look, can I can I bring this yes. back to fucking a YouTube thing? Bring it sure. back. All right. Bring the beat like, back. Like when it comes to like pe people lying or being trustworthy or whatever, right? It ultimately comes to uh, comes down to like what can they really gain if they lie in this situation, right? We just had a really fun drama with John Swan. Where this fucking guy was like, he lied about dream, right, to get out of a fucking thing. And a lot of people gave him the benefit of the doubt in that situation because it didn't seem like he had that much to gain through lying, right? But because he's in that position of power, the fact that it's proven that he was lying ended up hurting him a lot. What, uh, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is like, um, when it comes to, to like people like in, in trusting them. I think, I think you're genuinely going to trust almost all people until you realize like, Oh, they have something to really gain out of this. Like nobody trusts a politician. Yeah. The instant you say you're a fucking politician or like a mayor or some shit, everyone fucking is like, Oh, well this guy's full of shit. It's like half the time. Cause you're willing to just say whatever to get elected, like free healthcare, like shit we've been hearing for years. Like, uh, what is it? Fucking nobody's going to have to pay for college. We've heard that for fucking ever. And, and it's mm. never going to be a thing because uh, they'll just say whatever they want to, to get elected, right? Well, that can't be a thing, right? I mean, that's unless you de decrease the price of college. Somehow. I have no idea how that could, like, as somebody that thinks, okay, that sounds fucking, this is how I feel with, like, most democratic shit, right? I think, like, that sounds fucking awesome, but how is, how is that even fucking possible? Like, I don't even understand how that can exist. It's, it's not possible from, I mean, I don't know, at least with, the ordinary understanding of how money printing works that doesn't seem like it could possibly be. Do you know who, uh, who fucking, what's his name? Something Yang, Andrew Yang. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where he was like, universal basic income, right? We'll just give everybody like X amount of dollars a month. I wonder, like, I sit there and I go, like, how the fuck is that even like realistic? Like, well, like it's, can it's you bribe your way to a fucking election by being like, hey, I'll pay you f fucking two grand a month? It, it would work on paper if you could cut government programs, but nobody can. So it's immaterial. Most of the spending government does is simply just printing money, which is, you know, we're feeling the consequences of that right now. Yeah. And we essentially had a, a dry run on what, uh, you know, 
the government is giving people money looks like for two years during COVID, right? And and you see the consequences, right? The the supply chain gets degraded, inflation goes up. Uh, this is what happens when you print more money than there are goods in the economy. And I mean, it's it's been predicted, but it was it was it's 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 popular to be the democratic process. I don't know. We have a long way to fall because if you look at the trust that Americans had in their government and in, the, in their countrymen a hundred years ago, it was very very high, and it's been going down and down and down since the seventies, basically. I mean, but you, like a hundred years ago, there was way more turmoil and like fucked up shit than there is now, you know. Uh, well, uh, you had like the mobs of. fucking running everything. Like it was, it was all sorts of shit. You had like fucking Jim Crow and all this stuff. Like, like yeah, like, you had Jim Crow. You're, you're people that literally couldn't even fucking vote realistically. You know, so of I, I maybe the country yeah, you're, looks you're, more you're, united. You're, you're than talking this. about voting to the wrong person. I don't give a shit whether people vote or not. I, I you know, if, if, if that right, right. goes to a better outcome, fine. You know, but you know, if somebody's not... able to vote, right? Like not able to vote, surely that's going to play a role in like how united the country is. There were more people able to vote in 1920 than there are people able to vote in 2020. How? I don't understand that. Like I'm, the, 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 amount of educate, the amount of education and health that there was in 1920 was way higher. No, but that's different than the amount of people voting. How that's that you're, be, you're talking yeah, more about well, informed. I thought you said the amount of people. We have more people voting now, but I don't give yeah. a shit whether more people vote. Yeah. No, okay, there is something, if I could be the man in the middle over here, there is something that I could uh, grab from what Dave is talking about when it okay. comes to, if you think of that ancient Greek critique of uh, democracy being that it leads to mob rule, the idea yes. that the tyranny of the majority, you know, that is what we've got to avoid. And when you have okay. a bunch of very, you know, uh, dumb people, people who are not well-educated, people who are educated by an education system that doesn't give a shit about whether they're educated or not, that treat it as just like some kind of a, uh, you know, kindergarten. When you have enough people who are of that mindset, who are then given the choice of who to vote for, that's not great. So it oh, would be sure, better yeah. theoretically if we would have people who were better informed about their politics, better informed about the direction of the country. Well, that's why you have like yeah. representatives and yeah. terms and stuff, right? That's not that's exactly why you don't have just every policy people go vote on. Yeah, that's that's a part of it. I think Dave would take it uh, further, right? Like, Dave, what would you say would be the kind of system where we can at least ensure? certain amount of stability and ensure that people who were to vote would have, let's say, a certain, I know, like a certain intellectual level, what would be the best way of saying this? Because intellectual isn't anything the country, either. Right? This is not a consistent answer across time. In Afghan Afghanistan cannot be run stably as a power sharing system. That can't happen. America used to be able to be self-governing, and I think it's rapidly losing that ability. And what do you mean think, by that, just, to, just so I can understand? It's people are more dependent. They they trust each other less, and they're increasingly reliant on the bureaucracies that they're supposed to control. The bureaucracies being like the government, like these. Like, the government, yeah. Like I mean, so for instance, like you know, like exactly. Okay. Yeah. So if you, if you have, you know, a, a people can control a government if the people are outside of the government, but if the people are dependent on the government. Then it becomes this whole it becomes this whole self closed loop, right? That there there can be no government based on dependence in that way. 
the it's like you know it's like when the government controls the media or the media controls the government the government basically chooses the 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 terms for its own re-election and its own vindication and so the the whole thing becomes a giant loop real quick this guy sp in the chat had to like censor the word jim crow by using a zero as the is that a fucking thing on youtube where you i don't think so jim crow say jim eagle right or whatever (laughs) oh poor fucking youtube dude Uh, see how far we've fallen yeah. We can't talk about like a fucking Jim Crow thing without somebody having a censor. Yeah. By the way, Glass Cake is going on the offensive on Dave. So Glass Cake says over here the self-perpetuating bureaucracies that you are trying to empower further. So that would no. be, uh, and before that UBI will accelerate inflation and ultimately continue the transfer of wealth and property we are currently with witnessing. And one last thing in the beginning here uh well, I agree with that second. All right. Well, the, this first one Again, you're probably not going to agree with. So let's preemptively erode our rights from the top down just in case things get rocky. But to be fair to you, Dave, you do not advocate for this. You're basically saying that this is kind of an inevitability, right? Yeah, essentially. I mean, All right. The, 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 the thing is what needs to radically happen is someone needs to get rid of our bureaucracy, starting with the university systems and then carrying down to these institutions, these bureaucratic institutions. If these aren't removed, they will eventually erode away our rights, and then we'll end up with an autocracy just through that process, right? It's like a gangrenous leg, right? Eventually, on on that to a degree. I absolutely agree with Dave on that to a degree, because these universities, you have like all these fucking people, which, which this is fucking insanity to me, right? That legitimately think shit like free speech is like a bad thing. You know, because somebody's feelings can be hurt by, you know, by like a fucking mean tweet or some shit, right? It's it's fucking insanity. So I totally agree with them on terms of like these universities are putting ideas into fucking kids where they think like, yeah, no, shit like free speech, that's a bad thing. That's actually against human rights. Where I'm like, bro, what? Well, and again, this is why I think that there will be a lot more willy max in the future rather than people who are just like okay here here's the thing if i were to go back in time and look at for example the rush limbaugh's of the world and people who would be more in this conservative right sphere they would have certain things that uh you dave would agree with but i would disagree with as far as like they would uh, probably be against gay marriage you know, they would probably be, I know, like you name some kind of a uh, liberal thing, but that does not encroach on the rights. And I understand the slippery slope argument, which you've talked about a lot, where it comes to, well, first this gets passed and that gets passed and that gets passed. I think it is important, though, to at least for the people who I think have a lot of common sense to distinguish when it comes to things that, let's say, two men want to do as far as, let's say, if one of them is in the hospital, then the other one being their husband would be able to, you know, be there for them and in some legal way. I'm not exactly sure how it works, yeah, but, but, but there that, are that, certain, that's yeah. a, Gay marriage is a great example. All right. It, it, the, the whole... A great example of what, real quick? Just so it's, a great, it's a great example of how, like, the victim group expansion carries over to political power. And that is, like, on, on, on the face of it, just looking at... It, from a policy point of view, gay marriage is like no big deal. But the problem is, is that it demonstrated how you could generate an enormous amount of power 
both inside activist organizations, inside federal bureaucracies, and inside political coalition building by, by essentially redefining words and creating victim groups out of lifestyle choices that would essentially be treated as civil like, rights victim like groups. Like you're saying like being trans is like a lifestyle choice. B- yeah, exactly. So originally civil rights applied to categories you couldn't choose like race. But when we see the transformation of civil rights law into things like homosexuality, we're talking about things that are lifestyle choices. People can I mean, the adopt argument is things. that they aren't choosing, right? They want to, like, they're born in the wrong body or whatever, right? And that's, oh, that's the argument, but it rarely stays that way, right? And, you know, you can see people just think, like, things like genderqueer. These, these things are obviously invented ideologies. I mean, you, know, you who knows, right? Ultimately, who knows if we yeah, choose I mean, anything, right? Like it could, it, my, my genes could have predicted mm. what I like to eat, right? So like, I like to eat spaghetti. That could be my genes telling me that, right? But, sure. but ultimately, you know, the, 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 the idea of protected classes, I don't like the idea, period. But insofar as it ever made sense, it only made sense as things that were sort of immovable. By protected that, classes, do you mean classes that get special rights as opposed to other people? Or do you mean so, classes that just get normal everyday fucking rights, right? So like, okay, this is a have everyday rights, but I don't think okay. they should get like all this extra stuff. You get what so, I'm saying? And and I there is a legal regime change in the 20th century that introduced this concept of protected classes. Now, protected classes were areas of non-discrimination through the 14th Amendment that were there were owed a particular level of consideration. What the courts called it was a particular level of scrutiny. And this created this idea of protected classes. Uh, that that so so you could say like race is a protected class. So if you're if an employer is or if the government suspected of discriminating against race, the court is owed a certain higher level of diligence than had they been accused of discriminating against, you know, something like uh, what clothes you wore, like you didn't wear a tie, right? And so that was, the, this was, they established this, I think it was sometime between the 30s and the 60s. Now, after civil rights, this protected class designation became a conduit for enacting equal opportunity. And what, what happens is these laws called disparate impact laws get passed which essentially make it illegal to discriminate against these protected classes. But when this is filtered through the Equal Opportunities Commission, what this means is that the Equal Opportunities Commission has defined sides of this thing that they're looking for. So for instance, if you do anything that indicates that you might be discriminating against African-Americans, the Equal Opportunities Commission is going to come after you. And they're going to use the protected class designation already established in law in the 1930s to essentially make sure that you get hit with a civil uh, a civil suit that will totally destroy your company or will get most of the people in your government department fired, et cetera, et cetera. Initially, as it was conceptualized in the 30s, protected classes were both ways. White was equal to black. But how they effectively function in the present post-1990s way Protected classes almost only go in one direction. The the ability for someone to put in a disparate impact suit against, uh, as an African-American plaintiff against a company, is way more likely than them doing it as a white person or as an Asian. Because of how, how, how legal precedent has been set, because how the Equal Opportunity Commission sets the rules, and 
and this has been the, I mean, I, I don't know if you, I, I don't know how much you pay attention to, to abuses like this going on, but if you pay attention to, uh, you know, uh, people who post this stuff online, you'll see abuses like this going on every day. People saying things about white people or Asians that you would immediately get fired for if they had some other race in the, in, 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 in the sentence, right? This is like, this is a staple of, of conservative belly aching. So this protected class regime is essentially the front end of a legal framework that extends through civil rights. So that's what I mean when I say protected classes. Sorry for the rambly explanation. No, well, okay, that, no so, I, think, yeah. I think fair enough. Well, that part of it, uh, well, I want to make sure, Willie, do you have any questions about uh, about that? I mean, look, like the, uh, the reality is like I – if I had questions, we'd be here for fucking ten hours. Right? <laughs> uh, this is this is concepts that yeah. that are over. But this my is head. pretty. But this is pretty interesting, right? Like as far as it, uh, it is interesting. I I don't. But the thing is, like, I can't contribute a ton to the to stuff like this. You know, just <laughs> no problem. I, I'm too stupid. Yeah. I don't fucking know. No, no, that's not right. It's hard. What's what's hard about the protected classes thing is that on paper it works differently than how it actually works. And the, the thing is, is that the, the way that like stupid conservative, there's sort of a, you, do you know the meme with the, to use internet memes, do you know the the bell curve meme where like the, yeah, yeah. the people on the ends agree and the people in the middle don't agree? Well, mm -hmm. if protected classes were a bell curve, uh, you'd have the person, the grug brain would be like, protected classes means you can discriminate against white people. And then like the middle of the curve would be like, actually it's equal. It's for both sides of the race division. And then the high IQ person will be like, no, because of the legal precedent and how the Equal Opportunity Commission sets its rules and how prosecutors yeah. decide yeah. to prosecute, yeah. it basically is the way that Greg Brains think it works. There right? was this uh, there was this book about it, The Age of Entitlement, uh, by Christopher yeah, Caldwell. Book. So yeah. Run brains. <laughs> I never heard and, that. And by the way, Willie, Willie. You have to stop. You have to stop saying that you're stupid. When you are not, you are not educated. You are smart, but you are not educated. Meaning, well, well yeah, it's stupid. Is obviously every single person probably on the planet is smart in something. When it comes to this topic, no, okay, I, I disagree because he, no, I mean. no, no, no. Here's 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 what I think is going on. I think that there are so many people out there who are educated. But they're stupid. Meaning oh, they yeah. know how to memorize like they have things. No common sense. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They know how to memorize things, and they know how to repeat those things to other people as if they're smart. But I think there's a lot more to being smart than just memorization and adopting like a certain worldview and backing it up just by the things that you've learned. I think yeah, that there's I'm wearing, a lot more. I'm yeah. wearing glasses right now. I got to be smart to see. <laughs> Same Nicholas Taleb's educated but idiot. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, Dave. So one, the one contention I would have is. Whatever happens, I want to make sure, for example, I think one great thing that, uh, you know, some people end up being gay, they end up falling in love, and they end up marrying with a man or a woman that they're falling in love with, they end up being together, they do no harm to anybody else, they're just, you know, there, and I don't see why we can't have the kind of system where, for example, if the uh, man or the woman, you know, the spouse is dying in a hospital somewhere, that they would not be able to have certain legal connections. Again, I am no expert on this at all. I mean, speaking about an educated, but I know that there are certain legal connections that spouses would have that otherwise they would not be able to have. So in that sense, it just seems really dumb 
not to have some kind of a way that that could be facilitated, which is why I am pro-gay uh, marriage. I just hope you understand, Dave, where I'm coming from here. Like, I understand kind of that. I mean, there is certain like there are certain fairness concerns that are important to. There are certain fairness concerns that are important to take on board, and I guess I don't have any. I guess to a certain extent, I come from California. I grew up in a very sort of pro-gay environment. You fucking libtard. And, yeah, <laughs> no, I grew up as a libtard. And the thing is, is that I was told there, there is some. I don't know. You know, there there is something. There is something about this process that is very, very that we weren't told. I mean, the 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 issue is that. We were told all throughout the 1990s that gay people just want to be left alone. They just want to have rights like everyone else. And, you know, I don't know. I don't feel that that's the world we live in right now. I feel that the LGBTQ plus ideology dominates everything. It it essentially tries to grab the microphone and, and, it, and it chokes out conversations we should be having over why people aren't getting married, why people aren't starting families. Why, why fewer and fewer straight people are actually able to live the lives that their parents did and propagate uh, and propagate the, the native peoples of this country. That's the important conversation around sex, not about LGBTQ, BTI. I can't imagine whatever. a more boring fucking conversation than shit about sex. Like, it just seems so fucking lame. I don't even understand how this is a fucking rational conversation we're having. But dude wants to peg a dude. <laughs> I can't imagine giving a fuck. You know, outside well, our, of the, our, our the fact that I'm going to like tease him, maybe I'll be like, you know, what was his mm. butthole tight? Like, you no, know, no, wait, wait. But, but, shit on your but dick. Dave, like, but Dave, do you... as big of a joke as I could think of. Who could, who could give a fuck? But Dave, if we're talking about the low birth rates, do you think that if they were to have been restricted in who they would have had sex with, then they would have just chosen to get married and have kids? Would that be the... the no, the... I don't... I don't care if they i don't think gay people are going to get married and have kids i think that we set up our society so that the most important thing is that you can hook up with the person you want to have sex with and we haven't given any consideration to how do we get men and women to actually settle down with each other sure that but what does that have focus. to do but what does that have to do with gay people you know like let them do whatever they are going to do that's besides the point i understand that we have to focus on yeah, building families some building, I, I don't know i'm like stop me do you think this is a big? I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I don't think it naturally has anything to do with gay people. I think that what what it's the, the common cause of of our focus on homosexuality is being good, and the common cause of that and the low birth rates is we've decided that the most important thing about sex is is the consenting adult having pleasure. That's not the most important thing about having sex. The most important thing about sex is that it produces new families. That's the most important thing about sex. And if you're engaged in a sex that does not in any way produce more families or encourage people to form more heterosexual families, it is by definition less I mean, important. Do you not have sex with condoms, Dave? How many kids you got? I have one child. I'm Catholic. Yeah, exactly. So, so you got to be wearing condoms at some point, bro. Otherwise, you'd have four different <laughs> fucking wives, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, well, come on, dude. You know, fucking most I don't know how. I don't know how that gets you extra wives, but it could be. <laughs> like if I were to fucking well, if you were a Mormon, <laughs> right? It's just for fucking pleasure. Like that—that that is the majority that's, that's... of the reason people have sex. Kids are just like the by process 
of not having yeah. that's a new attitude i mean look at the, the third way. world for instance well here's where i would disagree no, dave look, look at the third world the third world you'd have a million fucking kids because you didn't yeah. have a tractor to farm your fucking field right so maybe that's the only thought process behind having no no not only that somewhere. but right but right now i wonder like how much would people appreciate in third world actually maybe having more access to contraception just because like uh, a lot of people are going to have a lot of sex because sex is fun people like sex i'm not sure if i agree with you dave this idea that every Everybody was just like focused on just family. Like I'm gonna have sex. I'm gonna have a family and raise kids. Like, I mean, that was part used of it. To suck balls at the beginning of time, right? The one pleasure they probably had was fucking so, getting it off. So <laughs> what do you? The, the thing is, is that we have had a precipitous the post-sexual revolution countries, the countries that have gone through a sexual revolution that refocused. So I think it's indisputable that if we, if you talk to our grandmothers, they saw sex as an extension of marriage and family formation. But if you talk to people of our era, we see sex as being sort of autonomous. It's an individual choice done, you know, for whatever reason you want. Now, this is an obvious change in attitude that we call the sexual revolution. And now, it's obvious that every time we've done this experiment, right, post-sexual revolution societies have massively lower birth rates than pre-sexual revolution ones, measurably. So there's this enormous yeah. amount of evidence from from various countries the going through this transition in life. Thought. Gets and the more the the more rights women have, the lower birth rates there are. Mm. Not, but this is what's funny: they're not happier. People are lonelier, and their self-reported happiness is not higher. In some cases, it's lower. I find that incredibly. I can't look. I have no answers to that because I find that incredibly interesting. I've watched a lot of videos talking about that stuff. You think people are lonely? It's remarkable, right? Because life is, is yeah. better than ever, but people are more lonely and depressed than ever. So I mean, you get I, to you get to when you're forty and you don't have a family. Me, yeah, because like. yeah, there's also less to uh, there's also less to prove yourself with in the way. Like if there's less pressure that you have to fight against, I mean, it's understandable. That is like a very common uh, you know decline of the West type argument. What I would though add here is that. If we were to look at the people you mentioned, Dave, who were talking about how they viewed sex, what age would they be asked this question? And part of me wonders, when that grandma was in her, you know, like early 20s, was she thinking about it in the same way? Or was she just as horny as a lot of people today are and just kind of, you know, like there was a different way of going about it maybe. But uh, I know I'll give you I'll give you this example. There was this guy I knew, this uh, film director, no, TV director. He was born in like the 19, like the beginning of the 20th century. He directed episodes of, uh, what was that? Uh, the uh, Twilight Zone. He directed that episode, the one with that kid who can send people into the cornfields. Do you remember mm -hmm. that one, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. So he talked about the cancel culture. Yes, exactly. So he, he talked exactly. He talked about how back in the day, I mean, maybe you could say, well, this is just like the degenerate studio system, whatever. But he used to talk about how it was so free. Like he used to just go and he saw this one woman. They just talked for a bit and then they went upstairs and they just had sex. And this is like back in the nifty 50s where it was considered to be very conservative. But, but this is when they first introduced birth control. Mm, so so this is like you're, you're catching the front end of this phenomenon in the 50s. In the 50s, clarify, it was great because people on. didn't know what the, it would entail, right? If you were a, a high-paid Madison Avenue kind of guy in the late 50s, you would be – you would have tons of sex with women because women would be on birth control. Uh, they would be 
you were you were a high quality mate, and nobody had any understanding where this would lead. Mm-hmm. But but people don't have that experience. Anymore, but but it's not a moral. But it's not a moral thing, though. What we're talking about really here is technology. We're talking about the ability for people to do something they otherwise would have had very serious repercussions for doing. I don't think that would make the people back then moral. I think that would just make them. You know, like, again, it goes back to this idea of, like, do you act a certain way to others because you're afraid they're going to chop your hand off, or do you do that genuinely? And I think that there is a difference there, and I think it's an important one, because on one hand, a person is just kind of being, you know, redirected, like, act this way or else. And on the other hand, a person genuinely feels that way and chooses not to act. I mean, that's kind of like that big thing in Clockwork Orange, right? Where but my answer is the same, a, yeah. though. This is what you're missing here. Okay. Is that when, 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 you, when you talk about capital punishment in the Middle Ages, or you talk about the punishment that was threatened against people who, who offended against traditional sexual norms pre-1950s or pre-birth control, uh, you're, you're talking about necessary survival steps that, that had to be put into place. Uh, because if you don't do that, your society starts falling apart and and so once we relax these regulations what what would eventually happen is we're we're now in a situation where society is is going i mean a a society that has a one child per woman birth rate will die there's no question about it it will die and our society is dying statistically and it's slowly being replaced by how is it dying statistically Okay, so if you this is just simple math. If you have less than one <laughs> child, listen. You did not describe it as simple math. Yeah, I is, let me, it's simple math here. If you have a society where each woman has one or fewer children on average over the course of their lifespan, that means that every generation, which is about 30 years, the population halves. Yeah. Okay, so, so you're saying you know you kids. know from math what happens when you have and have and have and have and have. It's the same thing as doubling. Your population disintegrates very, 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 very quickly. Yeah, it's called exponential decay. It's the inverse of exponential growth. So you okay, only so, got one fucking kid. So you're the problem. What the what the fuck, Dave? So the haha, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the how many kids do you have, by the way? Ooh, got you there. Uh, let's not go there. You know, so, the, but, but the point is statistical, right? The, the society that encourages your people to have kids, if it gets below, repl- significantly below replacement, it will destroy itself as our society is heading towards. Mm-hmm. And it will be replaced by other societies that don't have these regulations. This is what I'm saying by being a political realist on the right you you can use loose regulation if your society is moral and trusting enough to not need it. But if you loosen your regulations and people do bad things and you don't correct those bad things, eventually those bad things will destroy your society and you will be forced to use hard-handed measures or you'll just go extinct. That's so and that's, this, that's the same thing from people rebelling against uh, causing chaos politically with, with capital punishment. As it is with the population simply replacing itself by having, on average, more than two children. I have so many questions because a lot of this shit is interesting, right? Sure. Um, I have some shit. I guess like the first one you said, society replacing itself. Like, 
do you do what do you mean by society replacing itself? Do you mean like a different power Not taking over as the world leader, or do you mean like what, what does that entail? Society replacing itself means that you're you're not going to have have you're not going to have yourself every generation. Do you mean like what will happen? How will they? Get I, I don't know what that means. How do I envision? Like like all right. So all right. There's there's half the people mm. that exist every generation. Because Wait, people I, I, I could give an example. But what will happen what, is okay. that what immigrants that will be brought like in. in the real or, world? Two possibilities. Okay. One is that immigrants will be brought in and they'll take over. Because they'll have to, because there'll be no more native population to, to, to contest. But aren't they or, part of society? They're part of society, but they don't operate on your same rules. And the same thing is, the other thing is you'll just get invaded, as the Roman Empire did when they did, had this happen to them, you know, 1,500 what, 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 years ago. just use invaded? What's that mean? Invaded. It, the oh, Roman invaded. Empire 1,500 yeah. years ago had a population collapse similar to the one that we're experiencing now. And, and barbarians just came in and murdered them all. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know if that... that well, I could, I could give an example, world. by the way, uh, kind of going to what Dave was talking about earlier with uh, Islam, as far as I understand. And again, I'm no expert on Islam, mm -hmm. but uh, from the Muslims I've spoken to and from the uh, books that I've read, there ha I mean, it's not called Sharia law, it's called Fiqh, the uh, Muslim system of law. And it's not something that you just like take a page out and just like cut it out. Like, it's something that's been passed down from master to disciple. And you could say that today in the West, like, a lot of uh, Muslims are not that serious about it. But let's just, like, imagine that a lot of them were serious. The Muslim birth rate is very high. So what I could imagine would happen, again, if they keep sticking with the Quran. Right okay. If they keep sticking with the Quran is that they would pass on certain things, uh, you know, from master to disciple, from one generation to another. And they would have this quality of following these very specific rules, acting in this very specific way. But again, my issue is that, and this is something that CounterPoints was also talking about. He was in uh, Iraq. He was uh, in the army there. That would be great, by the way, a conversation to have you in CounterPoints. But anyway, he was, again, pointing to this thing where he sees a lot of the ways that they go about their society is they're not doing certain things because inside they feel like it's the right thing. But just because this is something they're just, they have to do it or else. It's something that is part of the law. And sure. maybe there's a certain gradient where you could say one transitions into another. And by no means am I saying, like, they're doomed to only being in that kind of state. Again, I think, like, everything is very, I think very, everything is very flexible. Now that Willie Mac is here, I'm going to uh, say that one more time. And by the way, everybody who's watching this, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe right now for Willie so, Mac's, for Willie Mac's uh, going problem. Uh, hopefully yeah, not a grow, growing problem. Fucking sub. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, what I was saying to Dave earlier is that while I don't think that uh, there's some kind of a, you know, like I said before, with North Koreans and South Koreans, there's no, you know, fate that any peoples have, because I think peoples are very flexible, you know, peoples change from one generation to another, but in general, as far as like the laws that the Muslims follow, there are certain things they're allowed to do, there are certain things they're not allowed to do. You could say same thing with like the Hasidic, you know, like the traditional ultra-Orthodox uh, Jews. So there are certain things that they are allowed to do and not allowed to do. This gets passed on, and they have a lot of kids. What happens as a result is they would, technically speaking, if Dave is right, be at least the majority, if we're talking about Europe. They would be the majority in yeah. Europe if they're following these laws and having a lot of kids. But again, my issue there is I don't know if it works this way that you're following a particular law 
that this is why you're being good to somebody else. The kind of level of civilization I'm personally after, and when I say civilization, I mean just like the way that people act with other people, is that they would not hurt somebody because uh, they would, you know, that they would be against the law. They would not hurt somebody because when they would hurt somebody, when they would betray somebody, they would feel on the inside as if they've betrayed themselves. Like that's the but, ideal. But if you want that as a result, you have to make sure that people do that. The people who have that attitude in their culture, you have to make sure that they are the ones that are replacing themselves of our generation. If they get replaced by people who don't act that way, then you're not going to have that kind of highly ordered society you want. Maybe we're going into a David Goliath thing. By that, I mean, this is just a guess. Like South Korea, I keep going back to South Korea, but South Korea, it's automating a lot of its thing. There's a lot of robots there. This thing in Europe that they have where they talk about, oh my God, like there's so few people, we need to import migrants. South Korea doesn't have that problem. Why import migrants? We'll just have robots do this stuff for us. And at that point, if there are, and maybe this is too transhumanist of me, I don't know, maybe you could say peak oil's coming, whatever, but maybe what could happen is we could have a smaller kind of population and maybe at that point people would be able to have that kids really because... That is fucking interesting to you. Yeah, you know? Dave, what do you, what so do you think for, about... So how is this going to work? Again, Lev, you're going to have a, a, a rapidly decreasing population mm -hmm. and no immigration. Well, I mean, you and, will have immigration, right? For sure. Okay, so if you have a declining population and immigration, mm -hmm. the immigrants are going to be your new generation, not the natives. The natives are dead at that stage. You can just ignore yeah. them. No, we're not talking yeah. immigration now. We're talking robots. Robots. Okay, well, robots. then the robots are in each oh, generation, okay. so forget about people. I mean, surely there will be both, but yeah. Here's here's why I disagree with Dave. And Dave, I understand where you're coming from. And look, you may be right. I'm not saying that uh, this has been 100%, you know, this is me doing the robot. This has not been 100% thought out. But allow me to introduce you to this idea of people where there are fewer of them and a lot of robots take care of creature comforts. Maybe now would come the time that the people that are there are going to think about how can we transcend a lot of the problems that we've had before? How can we actually be people of good values and pass those good values onto the kids that we are going to have? And we're going to have those kids not because we want like an extra farmhand, but because we want like the next generation of people who we are going to introduce to certain difficulties, certain struggles for them to overcome so they would be able to maintain a high-level civilization. Like, I think these things can be thought through, and I think that there's going to be very, if this is possible, I don't think it's going to come from the masses. I think it is going to come from certain people who are in the kind of position to kind of think of these kind of things to come into fruition. But, hey, look, the society is right in front of us, and I, for one, am not going to sulk about what is not working. I want to figure out ways to make it work. So, so maybe how would you something... do that? Because, like, you know, I'm I, if we can figure out a way to do that, I'm all ears, right? But if your if your plan for doing that is just to have the native populations of Western countries die away and be replaced by Africans, I don't think it's going to produce that result. Well, first of all, that has nothing to do with what I was saying at all. And when you're talking about Africans again, it's like. I am not talking about one place, go, one people going to another place or vice versa. I don't care about that. That's the happening, kind, right? Yeah, but that's not my point. Because what I care about as far as immigration, let's say, if we're talking about Africans, 
I personally see no problem like with the Nigerians that come in and they're super well educated and they're super smart. That, but that's even besides the point. That's not what I want to dwell on. The important part right now that I'm saying is that forget immigration entirely. Immigration as a whole, I see as being the David in this David Goliath story. What I mean by that is you can have a lot of people coming in and a lot of these people would not be that educated. They would come from a different culture. That does not mean at all that given enough time, those people would not be you know, raised with the right values. Those people would not be able to ascend to a higher level. I definitely think they can. I never put any, any walls between that. But what I would say, though, is that if we take the immigration aside, before we take the immigration aside, if we look at the immigration of people who are from, let's say, a, uh, you know, like a very different culture, a culture that may not have our same kind of ideals, the same goals it wants to reach, then yeah, that's kind of a problem. Which is why I'm saying let's not focus on the immigration. Instead, what we should focus on is with the people who are here right now, let's try to get them to as high of a level as possible. And let's not discriminate against who is going to want to get to a higher level. Do, again, do you feel that's yeah. being done currently? No, I don't think that's being done at I all. I don't think that's being done either. I, that as a matter of fact, mean... I, I, I think that's being done worse now than it was when I was born. So, so over the you know, 30 odd years I've been on this planet, it's markedly decreased. No, as far as education, I don't think it looks great right now at all. But again, this is where the hockey puck is You see where right my now. worries begin then. Of course. Right? No, it's not Dave, happening through birth rates. It's not happening through there is no, there not, is no denying. There is no denying that a lot of your ver worries are uh, pretty valid. But as far as the solutions go, I am completely against the, uh, you know, the dictatorship. You know that. I'm completely against, And you're against that too. But you see that as inevitability. I do not. I think that we can figure out some way of going about this and we can be we can be very clever about it. And I don't think enough people are. I think more people do need to try to figure this out, which is why I think more conversations like this is important. All these nihilists here saying it can't be done, it can't be done. Willie, can it be done? I mean, dude, shit. I mean, you guys always take it so far fucking above my head, right? <laughs> I I mean, I don't well, I don't know. Like um I guess, Dave, what I, what I do want to know, though, is, like, what do you think about, like, because uh, the world is clearly heading towards, like, a place where AI and robots are going to, like, control the production of almost all goods yeah. at, at some point, like, sooner than later. Um, what do you think about that, and how do you think that will affect, you know, whether it's the pol political landscape? Well, or... there's two risks. The first risk is Because economically, real quick, economically, and of course, it'll Tell be positive, question. right? there will be more goods being produced what was the question again uh what do you because you guys have touched on like um like uh, robots and ai essentially taking over yeah almost all like um production in terms of consumer goods right so of course production levels are going to go way up because ai never needs to sleep ai never has a day where it's working slow or has a headache or a sick day or whatever the fuck is going on right ai can't be controlled by covid Right. So how do you think that will efficiency? Yes. So yeah, how do you, how does that affect like um, the way economies work or militaries work or like that sort of shit? Uh, so there's there's two AI threats. The first one is AI control. The second one is AI economic glut. Can you I'm going to discount AI control, and I think you're talking about AI economic glut. The only solution I can say 
is that we essentially create jobs for people to do and create isolated economies so that people will live and work in their own lives inside human economies like, that coexist like, with, with, with essential technological economies. Sort of in the same way though, that Orthodox that. Jews coexist or, you know, or the Amish coexist with, uh, with modern society. Okay, interesting. Mm. All right. So it would be kind of like a more technocratic type of Amish like a, a cyber Amish, like if you will. Amish. <laughs> well, I mean, don't, don't laugh at this. I think that, like, there's a whole. This, this is the problem with our current political discourse: is that there's so many interesting conversations that we're just not having that we need to be having. One right. one example that I always like using is Israel, who uh, is really interesting because they have this highly technological economy in the cities with shit birth rates, but like their birth rate is astounding because what they do is like they have their orthodox population live in yes. these low technology zones, have tons of kids. Yes. And then like, you know, a few of their kids come and be, you know, urban bug men and contribute to the economy. <laughs> and the and the rest of the 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 ones just, you know, they, they continue on in, in their societies and 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 continue on the the line and the faith and the cultural traditions. I mean, you no, know, I think no, there's I a lot of problems with how Israel does yeah, that, right? No, but, Dave is 100% right about like, that. That's, yeah, that's, that's a path for the future right? that if we learn from, we could actually we could yeah. improve so on we that could just We should just fucking farm kids is what you're saying. We're yeah, no, farming. imagine this. Imagine there being like this idealist, uh, like idyllic I'm little village. Wild. Like an idyllic little uh, village full of all these Amish. And then one day, like a UFO comes and just like takes some of the Amish. So basically well, it's like what Star you I haven't had a bunch of kids yet because I'm too smart, is what I'm being told. Well, that's right Idiocracy. Now. Do you remember the, uh, that movie, Idiocracy, with Mike Judge? Oh, I, I haven't seen Mike that Judge? in fucking Okay, years, but... so the plot, you remember the plot of it, right? No, explain it. All, this, all the smart people stop having kids because there's not enough time. they got to worry about their careers. And all the stupid people have more kids. And as a result, you're just stuck in this garbage heap of a planet Earth but, but where all the buildings are falling down. Them. You're like, take, you know, you're stealing a couple away here and there, you know? No, but it wouldn't be the stupid kids. I guess, I guess from what I understand Dave is talking about, like with the Hasidic Jews, for instance. In order to be sustainable, yeah. it would have to be a cross-section, right? It would yeah. have to be a, a random sample. But like I said, like this is Israel does not actually farm kids away from Orthodox families. Yeah. That just naturally happens due to osmosis. Well, of course, of course. And, you know, this is you know, and so. Yeah. But if Israel did not have a sustainable uh, birth rate of Jews, it would cease to exist. Uh, their their Arab populations would overwhelm them, and the country would would disintegrate after they lost their Jewish majority. And so, you know, it's, it's it's essential for them. So that's forced them to essentially answer up front a lot of questions that most Western mm -hmm. countries just don't want to answer because no, but, they're afraid of being called no, racist. No, but Dave, Dave, I can uh, handle the racist situation like so. When it comes to the Jews, you do have the Hasidic Jews who are Ashkenazi, but you also have Hasidic Jews who are uh, Sephardic. You mm -hmm. also have Jews who are Arabians. You have also Jews who are Ethiopians. So you have a bunch of different people. And for me, like I said before, it's not the people. People are flexible. It's more of what is the information that the people have in their heads that they pass on and how well is the next generation able to retain that information that's what matters to me and i think i, I don't think yeah. we understand the relationship between that yet i don't i don't th mm -hmm. i don't think that we we can i don't think we can say like oh it's all just 
you know, it's all just the yeah. ideas. It doesn't matter who your parents were. I think that no, but it you doesn't don't really even... know that, that what the relationship okay, sure, is. Sure, sure. We could say, again, I'm not going to be bad faith here. Like, sure. we can say that we don't know exactly, like, all the nitty-grittiness of it. So the only thing we can judge is what exactly does the person, and I keep saying this phrase over and over again, but what what does the person bring to the table? Can you be a good judge of character and say, like, this person, regardless of where they're from, what exactly do they have to offer as far as their abilities, as far as their wisdom, and just judge according to that? I don't see why that is so fucking hard. Uh, sh well, you mean, well, can we do that in this country? It doesn't seem like we can, right? Because no, what sure, happens sure. is that I'm the, talking the, about the, the ideal. You're right. themselves get politically pressured, right? Yeah. If, if we apply a neutral stand, I mean, you see this in the military. Like you saw this, I think across last year, where like they open up some some avenue for women, and they realize that the tests they have are failing all of their women. So like, well, let's modify the test, right? And, and so you know now now the test for this combat role has been degraded because of this uh, of this neutralization, right? So mm -hmm. so we we haven't figured out a way to do this. Right? No, you're right. Like, That's not great. But my point is not that this is what we have right now. My point is that when it comes to a lot of the racist uh, reactionary people, and again, I'm not conflating reactionaries are all racist at all, but I'm just saying like when it mm -hmm. comes to the people who are more of that, uh, you know, further right side, I think that they have a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say that, well, because these certain racial things are not being looked at, we're just going to go full racist now, and that's going to be the policy, where if you are not this person, then we're not going to let you in. My whole thing is just judge according to the deeds. Why is that? Why can't that be the position that people on that side adopt? Why is that a bad position? Well, I'm, I want to be fair to the person you're criticizing who isn't here. And it's not, you know, but it's not one person. Look, I, I yeah. agree with you in the abstract that we should always judge based on the individual. <clears throat> but in real life, it doesn't work like that. And the people who are, you know, the nationalists that I think you're complaining about, they realize that in the real world it doesn't work like that. And that if you don't use broad categorical things like no women in, in, in combat roles, uh, eventually the standard itself gets degraded and you lose control over the situation. Where I would say, uh, I wouldn't say, I don't even know if it's meeting in the middle, where I would say the focus could be to address certain concerns that they have. Because if we're talking about like one individual meeting another individual, if we're talking about like immigration, that's probably not going to work that way. But if we are judging according to the culture, like how the family acts, how the family relates to one another and people around them, I'll give you this example. When we were coming from the uh, USSR, or I think it was Russia at the time already, but when we were emigrating, it was this was like early 90s like 93 it was a very hard immigration process they were asking a bunch of questions and i just think like having people in that position of judging whether or not some people can get into a country or not i think certain things related to what is the overall culture can play a role because you could have people coming from wherever as long as they abide by a certain level of you know a certain culture that fits into the culture of I'm not even saying the U.S., but like any first world nation, then there wouldn't be a problem. And I know it's not an easy thing, but I'm just giving an alternative here to what I think is a very dark path as far as saying, like, all of you people, because you happen to be looking like this, you're not welcome. You know, that's what I'm against. So well, I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving a good alternative country that's here. implemented a policy like that that hasn't been totally, that is not facing down demographic transformation in very short order. 
I don't think any of the countries have implemented a policy specifically like that. That's kind of the point that I'm driving at. Well, here okay, but say. a lot of them have said that they were going to do that, but they have just not done that. Yeah, so society tends to be lazy. That's why we have to work on it. These okay, the, well, so the, the problem is it's not just one country that's failed to do this. It's like America has failed to do this. England's failed to do this. France. All right. First of all, this. I cannot speak. I cannot speak to all the countries right now. I only know as much as I know about the United States. And I know that, you know, Europe's not been doing that great when it comes to its policy. What I can say, though, is looking at a country like Poland, for example, they seem to be doing pretty well. I mean, they have a pretty healthy religion going on there, you know, Catholicism. And why can't that be a better example to look at and say, what, what can we learn from Poland? What can we learn from some of the other uh, Baltic countries around Poland? That may be a good medium. I think if the, the conservative polls had their way, that there would be policies in place to make sure that their country maintained like an 80% Polish composition, if I'm not wrong. All right. I mean, again, when we're talking about that, that's that policy. And maybe that is something that's going to enable Poland to succeed. I know that the United States has been through a very different history. So I'm not saying that every policy is going to be, you know, exactly the same way for every single country. But the alternative that I outlined right now with judging according to the culture, at that point, what does it matter? If you can somehow show that the kind of culture that some group of people who's coming in has, if that culture of that specific family, okay, if one family, if that culture of that specific family does match up and it's very hard and you make it very hard, but if it does match up, then I don't think there is this thing that creates a fifth column. What I mean by that is if there is a sense of I did all I could, I not only worked hard because working hard is not enough, you can work as hard as you want, and at the end of the day, if you still don't measure up culturally, then you don't measure up culturally. But what if we're talking about somebody who is not just working hard, but is working smart, is able to show that I am embodying all the qualities of whether it's the United States or whether it's some other third world country. And are, you, are you just saying that we're just going to let in like doctors and lawyers and then otherwise we're going to have a, a restrictive immigration policy? I wouldn't say just doctors and lawyers because I'm not talking specifically I mean, about we do have a profession. have restrictive air immigration policy. Isn't most of our immigrants coming from like educated people from Israel or India or, or Asia and shit like that? In America? Yeah. No, we also in America, have a most of our system. immigrants are coming from South America and Asia currently. And oh, it's okay. not a restrictive immigration policy. It's a pretty, historically speaking, it's a pretty open one. Yeah, that's been since and 1965, 69 or 65. 65, 65, 65 the hard yeah. seller. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's, you know, historically speaking, and for most countries that aren't in a colonization phase, our immigration policy is fairly open and it mostly comes from Asia and South America. What is a colonization phase? Colonization phase is where you're literally like, displacing the population like we did when we colonized the west of this country like we had a very very high immigration rate between like 1865 and 1918 okay. but that's because we were literally like moving the indians into reservations and just putting people down and you know little settlements and uh, across the west and in in the midwest as well okay hmm. yeah that's that's i mean you know there there were a lot of things wrong with that there were a lot of things that were okay with that you know i'm not making a moral judgment but if you if you 
if the if the oh, country grows, happens, right? That's yeah. What I mean, you're if saying. the country if the, the country is getting most of its population growth from immigrants, like your your population is being changed radically, mm-hmm. and that's what's happening in most European and Western countries. That's just a fact. But it wouldn't yeah. necessarily happen in the same way if, for example, unlike having all those military-aged men who are migrating into Europe right now or having people who do come from very different cultures migrating to the U.S., what if you did implement this policy, which I know some people tend to be scuffing at it like it's not going to change anything, but I do think that would be a very big shift. And at least it would be the kind of shift where, again, there wouldn't be this feeling of, I am at the same... uh, What are you going to do to someone who can't speak the language who shows up at the border? You're going to give them a test? No, 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 no. It has to be done much more professionally, obviously. So that's that's not going to work that way. Just okay. So it's even it's even harder than a test. Yes, harder yeah, than they a have test. To so throw you a you might as well turn them away at that stage, perfect right? spiral. You you might as well turn them away because those those huge you know groups of millions of people that show up at the border, none of them are going to be able to pass like this regimen of testing and interrogation, and yeah, none of them are going to be able to pass that. Why do you think that? Because because most a lot of them don't speak the, the native language. Okay, they well then that's like, that, that's a start. No, that is a great point you're bringing up here. Because number one, if we're talking about the ability for somebody to take the time to learn language, I think that that is a very important quality to have. That's something that my family had to do. That's something obviously I had to pick up pretty instantly here in the states. But you would say, and oh, are you we'll, we'll, yeah. Do you think these people who are arriving in caravans, are like, do you think a significant percentage of them are like trilingual, college-educated no. people that have studied the, the host culture for years? And not D- only can wait, they wait, speak D- Dave, Dave, perfectly, I they think... can also tell you like three kings of Poland. No, 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 Dave, Dave hold on a second. This is a reality. This is like I know, a I know. Hold on, oh, Dave, Dave, hold on. Case. I think there is a big, there is a big confusion. I think that you are putting in place of me, Lev. I think that you are putting in my place some kind of straw man character that would advocate for this caravan immigration in the first place. I don't. That's not what I was saying at all. What I was saying is when it comes to people going through the front door, you know, going through the right steps like my family did in order to become Mm -hmm. an immigrant, then there would be very stringent and very specific things that would have to be done to prove that their culture would be compatible with the ideals that America or whichever country would hold itself to. I think that is absolutely fair. What I would say is the opposite of that is when you would specifically restrict immigration based on certain immutable genetic characteristics as whoever the hell would define them, because what happens then, I'll give you one quick example, okay? And this isn't specifically genetic, this is more cultural, but going back to my favorite subject, Imperial Russia, after the Serfs were freed, there was still a caste system where if you were in the surf caste, you would only be able to be hired for a certain level of uh, promotion, you know, like a certain yeah, job. Little, and be- little slavery plus. Yeah, but after you get promoted a certain level, you're not going to be able to be promoted above that. That was just the rule. As, mu- as hard as you worked, and not only as hard, but as smart as you worked, you could be like the most qualified, the smartest person for that job. But the fact that they did not let you in, that started to feed into this... Uh, what, what, I'm trying to figure out the word here. Willie, help me out. What is the word for when a person feels something is being done very unfairly to them and they lash out? What is that it's word? It's bullshit. It's bullshit. I'll take that. That's fine. It's bullshit. It's bullshit, damn it. It's bullshit. 
So that is something that I think is completely stupid, while my proposition, and I know it's not something that's been fully fleshed out yet, but I'm at least kind of like leaning into this idea that something like that is possible, that's not bullshit. And that's why all these arguments about, well, what are you going to do with the caravans? You're going to give them tests? I have never talked about that at all. That is not... That is not something that I was talking but about. So you're talking about instituting a policy that will turn down the vast, vast, vast majority of people who try to immigrate to the country. Yes. Okay. Well, in that case, I mean, sure, fine. You know, I'm, I'm if it's just <laughs> because it's fair. That's spending... the thing. Because it's a fair policy. It's something where a person can be judged according to their merit. That's all I'm talking no, about. I don't think that's not that's not how it's going to be seen, right? Because you'll be turning a lot of people down because they're Muslim. They'll be turning a lot of people down because they don't have mastery over some archaic cultural element. That's totally arbitrary. You'll be turning a lot of people down because they don't have a college education. I don't think it's arbitrary at all. I think that, Again, if we're talking about like a lot of the Asian countries today, if we're talking about Vietnam, South Korea, Japan, these came from different, uh, you know, different origin points. Yes, you could say that the Western uh, culture kind of uh, went in there and changed certain ways they did things. But at the same time, I think you'd be pretty safe living in those countries, give or take. And those are not the same cultures either, yet they are cultures that are pretty compatible. And I would say same thing to, you know, highly educated people from Nigeria that come in here and kick ass on the tests. They would be completely compatible with the culture of, with the wait, wait, of the United States. Wait, wait, kick ass on the test? What? I thought you said there was some kind of cultural requirement as well. Yes. And, okay, let me ask you this. So as far as the Nigerians go culturally wise as far as how they treat you know their kids you know child rearing things like that maybe i'm wrong here but i don't know how you're going to evaluate people's child rearing tactics it's a tough one i know it's a tough one and i want to figure that out i don't have the answer for you but that's just like some of the things i'm throwing out here of something that could potentially be looked at Look, I'm in the same boat as you. I want to figure out how to solve these problems, and I'm giving it my best shot here, at least throwing out an alternative to whatever's been proposed so far. And we'll, well see. see. The, Maybe the thing is, at some out. point, it's just going it, to, at some point, whatever we say our justification is, it, it's going to involve just saying no to like 99% of the people who want to come into the country. As and long, that's, yeah. I mean, that's what's going to result in, right? So, so, you know, if you if you're not comfortable saying no to all those people, then, you know, your your pulse is going to get overturned because no matter what standards you put in place, there'll be a criticism of them. They'll be, you know, restricting freedom of movement or something like that. Yeah, but I think that those criticisms are bullshit because, again, this is not discrimination based on certain things that people have no control over. This is judging yeah, people is. according to. No, it's not. Why is it? Because because if we're operating in the real world, a guy who's born in Afghanistan does not have like the equal opportunity to become you know an assimilated English speaking polymath who can pass a test and adhere to Western standards for child. No, but his, his kid can absolutely right. Was in Afghanistan? Like no, this is, no, like, no. It's, 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 okay, not not in Afghanistan. This, but this is, is to get into America. That's that's the proposition, right? Yeah. So okay. the well, idea, we have, Dave, that, we have like, plenty of examples of that going on. For example, there is one uh, programmer I know, and again, it's like anecdotal evidence. Whatever, it's still good. Yeah, but we're There's talking one... statistically here, so like it's got to be the average, right? Shh. 
Okay, if we're talking about this uh, person I know, he is from Iran. Originally, his parents are from Iran. You know, in Iran, it's not Afghanistan. It's slightly, you know, higher in terms of, you know, like the history and all that stuff. Yeah. But he is fully, a fully westernized person. He does not care about the Ataullah Khomeini one bit. And I think that there are many people out there who are of that same mentality who do want to have a place, you know, to raise their kids, if not in America, then in some other place where they would fit right in. And when Why you would not, see Ron? them at the cafe, there would be no difference between you and them as far as, you know, speak to each other. There would be no difference between how your kids are raised other than maybe, you know, they like having Iranian holidays and Iranian food. But you you see what I'm trying to get at here. I, I, There's I'm a certain level, don't, right? Because this is, when we take these people, these, these, these high achieving people, like this Iranian computer program, Yes. Like, why can't he just make Iran a better place? Iran's why, in a hellhole. Why can't he make like, Iran a better place? Yeah. Dude, it's because they got a dictatorship, right? Like, you can, if you fucking try to make it a I better place, you get care. fucking broke. It doesn't matter. That doesn't, they that's, fucking that's, take a drill to your head on top of a, in, in like a rooftop and just fucking look, drill the, your the, the, the Iran is not Afghanistan. <laughs> a. B, even if it was... The only way these countries get better is through motivated individuals working within them. Like, so, uh, like, is, is this the solution that everybody who's sympathetic with the West from Iran who's educated is going to move to the West? No, no, that's obviously not possible. Okay, so some people who are sympathetic, who, who are educated, who, who are sympathetic with the West are going to stay in Iran, and that's how it's going to get better, right? I mean, dude, if the, if the government is trying to be progressive and it's not just a selfish dictator trying to, to just live like the most lavish life possible, then sure. But, I mean, it, it's hard with these places, right? It's a really slow, slow thing. The thing is, is that, like, first of all, there's two problems. The first one is that, you know, despite what we say about it being everyone having an equal opportunity – the progressives are right about this. People don't have an equal opportunity, and if you and if you put stringent standards that, that, that exclude ninety nine percent of the people, and then say it's all equal, people are going to know it's not equal. I would just rather have a say it's not equal. We just we, we have a right to say no to people who want to immigrate to this country. It doesn't mean that you're worse. It doesn't mean that you failed some kind of meritocracy test. This this country just wants to be the people who live here and. You know, the, the other people can work to make their country a better place. At some people, at some point, we're going to have to work to make our countries better. Uh, our, I mean, our- I mean, dude, the, the problem is it's like uh, I'm trying to think, like, well, what is a good comparison? Mm-hmm. Right? No, it's but, like, but I, I just want like be- when you have a if it's like if you have a company, right? Mm-hmm. If your leadership sucks balls, the company will not do well. It just won't. Right. It's the same thing with the country. If the leadership sucks balls and doesn't encourage people to stay and give these people uh, like like all these benefits and and privileges for it, they just won't. They just won't. Can I ask you a question? So will will the company be reformed if all of the highly motivated, highly skilled dissidents leave or stay? I mean, stay, but ultimately the leadership needs to make needs to change. How is the leadership going to change? Either that motherfucker gets killed or they replace him. <laughs> Some shit, man. Right? That's the mm. only way, right? That's what's hard with these dictatorships. Yeah. I, I see that our immigration policy is actually stabilizing. Yeah. The mm. corruption that we complain about in these countries is actually, it's being helped by our liberal immigration policy. 
because it's allowing these people to get rid of the class that would replace them by sending them to the West. So if those people were forced to stay, they'd have no choice and then they'd make that place better is what you're saying. I, I like you can't promise anything, right? And I don't. No, I, no, that's interesting. I don't know. Maybe it would. That's something, yeah. right? Like we can come up with a genuine re- refugee policy, but most people who come to our country are not refugees. The definition of a refugee is that they're, they can't be like, oh, well, I'll be richer in Germany than I will be in Iran. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know many Iranians; they're great people, high civilization. You know, one, one of the, the a very educated culture. You know, very impressive in so many ways, right? Okay. But like, I don't consider it a legitimate like a, a, a guy who's college educated and is really really motivated. If it's just like I want to come to Germany because I'll make more money, like that's not a good enough reason. Sure, no, absolutely. Which is okay. why I think culturally wise, it wouldn't be enough to just say I just want a profit. There has to be some kind of a patriotic call, if you will. Which I know it sounds ridiculous because how could they be patriots if they're not from the original country? But yeah. if they really, if they really try to embody the values, and we could somehow show that, then I think it would be fair. I'll give you another example, Dave. If uh, Willie offered the example of uh, a company, let's say an example of colleges, right? Like. I don't think any of us think it's fair that we have like these Asian kids who have to take harder tests and still not able to pass those tests, you know, in order to get into these Ivy Leagues. Uh, I, I didn't even know that. That's crazy. yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's been happening where there's a certain hierarchy. If you happen to be white and then you happen so if you're to be Asian, Asian, you got to take a harder test. Yeah. yeah. Well, they they what? grade you. Yeah, they grade you a lot tougher. This is the consequence of affirmative action. That's fucking insanity, but okay. Yeah, but this is what we agreed to when we agreed to this these these 1970s post-civil rights legislation. Mm. This is the logical consequence right. of that. But, but the reason why <laughs> I bring that up... brutal. Okay, the reason why I bring that up, and I think fair that the organization I mentioned has also been fighting on behalf of uh, the people who have been affected by this, again, with their high-powered uh, lawyers. But the reason why I bring that up is because let's imagine... And I know, Dave, in before you talk about why this cannot be done, let's Mm -hmm. imagine for a second we do end up having a situation where these colleges have a much fairer system of getting in, where if you are not up to snuff, you're not going to get in. And we could say, well, there is still an equality of opportunity to go to those colleges as far as if you put in the work, if you measure up to being what it means to be a uh, Yale student or a Harvard student, then you would get in. Yeah, but I, if, if, if Yale and Harvard were forced to admit blindly to, to names and ethnicity and, and to political signaling on essays, like they would admit mostly Asians and some white people. Okay, but here's the reason why I'm talking so, about I mean, these like universities. Would... No, but the reason why I'm saying this is not having to specifically do with an educational institution. I'm putting an educational institution here, just like as as an example, as a stand-in for a country, meaning that when you were talking about the complaints that uh, people would have about immigration, what I would throw back at you is comparing that to the colleges, where when you do have pretty liberal organizations like FAIR who are advocating on behalf of people who are unfairly, uh, you know, having you know a rising standard for how to get in there i would equate that with saying why not have the same equality of opportunity towards immigration 
That's all I'm saying, where it doesn't sound as extreme as you put it. Not to say that there wouldn't be people against this. Of course, there fucking would. But my point is trying to see, like, why is this so horribly unequal of a situation? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's because that's not how these political situations work in the real world. In the real world, the incentive is always to go in the direction of affirmative action and of a permissive immigration policy. Maintaining standards does not give you any political benefit. And that is a that is a different conversation, though. And I understand what mm -hmm. you're saying. The reason, again, why I'm offering this up is because the alternative right now seems to be saying that if you do happen to be from, you know, this country or that country, or if you happen to be of this racial characteristic, a lot of people in the far right would say, well, then just point blank you're not going to be welcome. And again, this is why I'm saying, I'm not saying that everybody's going to be on board for what I'm talking about here, but I'm just trying to still point out like, hey guys, why can't something like this be what you can take up as your mantle? Why do you have to go all the way to creating grievances that shouldn't be there in the first place? You're creating fifth columns where there needn't be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for making exceptions when you need to make exceptions, but... You know, what they say is, they always say that the exceptions make bad policy. You want to make exceptions, you want to make your policy based on the average case. But, th or... but that goes back to the idea of liberalism. I think this is where we do disagree on heavily. This is kind of like the fork in the road. Because the problem you're pointing out is the problem that liberalism always has to deal with. And I equate it to brushing your teeth. If you don't brush your teeth, you're going to get yellow teeth and you're going to, they're going to fall out. Same thing when you want a very quick solution, accelerationism, whatever. Not you. Not you. I'm just talking mm. generally like about a lot of uh, reactionary people. They want this quick solution. They want everything to exactly work the way that they want it. And if not, they don't want to hear about it. It's very impatient. And that is why I want to offer something here which can address potentially a lot of the problems we're talking about. It's not fully fleshed out. But well, the, maybe the there is something why there. I think, I think I've heard this a lot and I respect your answer, but the reason why a lot of people like myself are, are saying well, it has to be quick, it has to be fast, it has to be a radical change is that people have been talking about reforming these abusive systems for at least 30 years now. The 90s was 30 years ago now. And, and that's, you know, we had the first affirmative action lawsuits in the 80s and there was another set in the 90s. And, and, you know, we've had legislation against this stuff and nothing has changed. And every, I, all these organizations that try to do these things that FAIR have been doing, I mean, there are organizations like that in the 90s. And they made no headway. So I don't know. I don't, I don't see how if it, if it could turn around, why hasn't it turned around already? The only uh, counter that I would give, which I gave earlier, is you may be seeing this in the negative that you were saying that these conservative opinions were in the 90s and now they're being taken up by the uh, liberals. I see that as actually uh, an evolution in the way because now you're getting a lot of these Bill Maher types to start seeing certain sense. You could say, oh, it's too late. We don't want you there anymore. You had your chance. Well, but Bill, Bill, Maher was, Bill Maher was doing this in the 90s. Remember that? He had a show called Politically, Politically Incorrect. Politically Incorrect, yes. He was, he was trying to take the left to task for its excesses. 
And then, you know, five years later, he was hopping on the bandwagon of the very excesses he called out in 1998. Which excesses was he uh, jumping on the bandwagon of? Well, I mean, okay, I, I know you're going to think this is stupid, but he like, was a huge booster of Barack Obama. Oh, pe- people fuck up. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I don't know. I mean, look, Barack Obama did not do certain things that he promised to do as far as closing Gitmo, but there was this feeling, you know, the hope change, whatever. You, you get the idea. We've all been through that. My, by the way, Willie, my uh, feeling with Barack Obama when it got lowered down was when he passed the 2012 National Defense Authorization Act, which uh, got rid of habeas corpus for uh what was it for like when you're like a terror suspect or something it's uh i know it's very it's a very problematic thing that i don't think got reversed plus i think he legalized more or less propaganda in the news is that right uh, dave i don't remember exactly what that act was called i think that was also around 2012 i'm drawing a blank i'm sorry no no problem it's been a long day and I mean, I was are, largely yeah. a kid when when the Big B was in uh was been office anyway, so mm. I don't necessarily know, but I did I do remember him being a hella baller in basketball, <laughs> so I do respect him for that. <laughs> Look, when it comes to to aspects of immigration, I think that's really important. Uh, it's a really important set of policies, right? Because even like you've had guys like Joe Biden be like, "Look, we can't just let people come willy nilly across the border," right? Um. However, when it comes to like shit like race as as topics, I think it's kind of just like a super poisonous topic in terms of people get caught up in in details that don't really matter. And it just turns into like weaponizing it. Well, the topic is for to push different um, agendas. You know, like, I don't you... think I don't think race should be like an aspect of fucking anything people really talk about because I I don't think it should be relevant. You know, outside of like maybe some old school like housing policies that are super racist that maybe we should get rid of. Like I've heard like redlining or something. Redlining was ended in 1968. But yeah, sure, you get what I'm saying, though, right? Like for the okay, most part, I think no, we, but I, I actually I disagree because how like I don't want to talk about race, but how can you avoid it? It's forced into the conversation. Like how you can, can you? How I can, can I like, could tell you how? But that's your point. the stuff that happened post George Floyd, how could you avoid talking about differential crime rates? Between Look, races? dude, that that's that's a decent fucking uh, point though. Like the George Floyd stuff. Like uh, mm. black people do face an in proportionate amount of uh, stuff towards towards cops, mm. right? Cops definitely. Uh, but but I think the imp- the important right, 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 right. so I think that's fair, right? What, no, what, but the important. No, uh, hold okay, on. Okay, I want to hear. Okay, repeat okay, that okay. point again, Willie. Okay. Black people definitely, you know, treat or no, no, no. Cops definitely treat black people with with a certain level of of uh, you know harshness that they don't treat white people. So I think that's. But a there's fair a second part of that, which is that black people commit massively higher rates of crime. And when you adjust for the so higher does that, just, rate, does that justify? It's look. I don't know how true that if, is. If right? black, does that if justify black people that? get arrested, if black people get arrested in proportion, they should get arrested in proportion to the crime rate, not in proportion to their population level, right? No, here, right, here. Dude, but over and over again, we've seen fucking video of like, yeah. Well, here, here's how I can okay. Choked out that shouldn't be. All right, everybody, right? everybody, please. I got to be the man in the middle here to. Uh, uh, straighten all of this out and here's how i'm going to do that 
I think I think you're absolutely right, Willie, in that the focus on race is absolutely dumb. What I think the focus should be on is culture. Meaning, again, like I say before, how are kids raised? What kind of family situation did they have? Thomas Sowell, for instance, who is this uh, black conservative gentleman, he talks a lot about these problems within the black community when it comes to single motherhood, you know, things of that nature. Sure. Things that a lot of, let's say, more left-leaning people pretend that they care about black people so much. Meanwhile, they don't do diddly squat when it comes to helping out these particular situations. What I would personally focus on is putting a lot of money and a lot of effort into getting kids who are in the ghetto right now, you know, like four-year-olds, three-year-olds who come from a single uh, mother um, situation, getting them the right role models, getting them the right people that could be in their lives. That? Like, how do you fix yeah, well, I think I think for We've that been talking the, about this for years, right? Yeah, it's like impossible, right? But it comes back down to the family. It comes back down to making sure that families are going to be together for them to be passing on the right values to one another. That's really where the big issue lies, honestly. Like a lot of this other talk is just superfluous. There's no need for it. And the, the marriage, the, the marriage rate. I mean, there the definitely is has a been reason. declining across the last fifty years, right? All the while we were talking about gay marriage that was continuously yeah. declining, right? Yeah. But again, it's like with the gay marriage, let gay people do whatever. That's besides the point. The point is, if you want to focus on marriage, good. Let's focus on families. Let's focus on bringing people together. I think that's a beautiful thing. Right, Willie? Like that's real quick, though. There is a comment that says Willie like dash. I've seen the news like kind of mocking me. Right. Is that not true? Is the news wrong when they're saying black people are disproportionately being you know held to it, a different standard than white people. Is that no, not that, true? what the news says look i'll walk you through this with the news i am a normie hold on willie i'll walk yeah. you through this okay it's really easy okay. the news is giving you a half truth the half truth they're telling you is that black people are targeted by the police mm -hmm. much more than their percentage in the population yes. right that is true but what they're not telling you is that black people commit an enormously higher number of crimes than the average person in the population. And so when you adjust for the crime and not for the population level, there is no, there's not a, there's no statistically discernible abuse from that number. They're getting is that right to do though. No, you adjust by the crime, not by the population level. Right. I can give I a, I can, I can I give really this that, I mean, how, how, how would you, so, so, it, it, would you, would you if, if black people commit murder, would you not arrest them for murder so that they don't arrested for more for murder? Right. So if the person murders somebody, then yeah. But just because the person's black, I don't think you should assume mm. they murdered somebody. No, but more you know murders saying? proportionally are committed by black people, right? So you're oh, going God. to disproportionately target black people if you arrest all mm. the murderers, right? Do you see what I'm saying? I, I can give another example if you want. So let's say if we're talking, let's say if we're talking about uh, Europe, for example, and I don't want to mm -hmm. bring the gypsies into it, but for example, let's sure. say there's like the stereotype of the gypsies going around and stealing whatever, right? And mm -hmm. there's a lot of Europeans that have a certain kind of education. We're not talking like British working class. We're talking, I don't know, Germans or whatever, whatever the hell, Irish. Uh, and let's say that 
there's a certain kind of culture there where they go to school and their parents and their relatives, they have a specific kind of uh, value system. And then they have gypsies who go and they steal certain things from them. So when the cops come in with their billy clubs or whatever, they're going to be specifically mm -hmm. looking for the gypsies because the, it's not because there's some weird genetic thing going well, on. Because there, statistically, but, that's what they expect. Yeah, because the, right? the values that were passed down from yeah, that's, one that's generation to another. when you put it that way. Yeah. No, but okay, the big but that's, that's, that 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 we, that that disparity has to be there. If 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 one if, if one demographic group commits more crimes, then police have to target the ethnic group more if they're going to enforce the law. How, how can that not be the case? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't look. I can't I can't argue very well against this. I don't know. I'm hearing this all for like the first well, time. Well, what right? we can do later on, by the way, Willie, if you're interested, I could bring in my friend uh, Hotep, Hotep Sophia. Okay. She's a she's a black woman living in well, she lived in Washington D.C. before, but her parents have lived in the United States, you know, since since fucking forever, and uh, she very well documented a lot of the occurrences. Uh, throughout the uh, decades. For example, she was talking about how those uh, neighborhoods where the police were cracking down on a lot of crimes having to do with, uh, well, crack, uh, for example, how what is, un what is not really spoken about was how a lot of the black leaders within those communities, according to her, were begging the police to go in there and to make those arrests because they were seeing their own community start to deteriorate because of all the uh, drug dealing that was going on. So mm -hmm. it's not a very clear cut thing if we're talking about, you know, like this race versus that race, anything uh, like that. According to her, it's more like these are very big problems that have to be dealt with. These so-called sure. black, black leaders don't do anything to help the situation, especially today, especially when, according to her, the church is not playing as active of a role as it once did in terms of the mentorship of a lot of these kids. So it's a complicated situation. But unfortunately, these are things that, uh, you know, you can't not address them, but the goal, I think, is never to look at it from this very static stone way of saying, oh, because these people happen to be from so-and-so race, they are doomed to... That is bullshit. This is a cultural problem, and we have seen so many people coming out from these situations yeah. and leading absolutely different lives. So well, what, what, that what is... Does that what, what is can, that? I, can I say, though, too, real quick? Sure. I do feel like... I am a hair bit uncomfortable because we are way out of pocket from anything I know. All right. Just, yes. Just yes. Yeah. I, I completely understand. So yes. I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable in this situation. No, no. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Okay. All, all, all I can do is bring you the information that I was brought from okay. the people who have come on the show. And I don't want to put you into any bad situation. If you want to later on come in, I would love to bring Hotep Sophia, have a longer uh, conversation about this kind of stuff as well. I've come on again because you guys have been have been nice to me and uh, you've been very you, professional in emails or whoever's been sending the emails. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I've been, yeah. The, but, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. But I am I am out of pocket here for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, but, no, well, the, yeah. The, 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 I don't understand what is saying it's culture how does that actually change the, the conversation like how does that it changes everything because well, how, when you can't control culture if you could control culture it would change everything yes you can look you at North, you look at north and south korea these are the same people genetically yet culturally they're very different so of course you could control culture okay so why haven't we just fixed the black community just 
why didn't we hit that switch? Because it takes I've been time for 30 years now. Yeah, because it takes time. We have to figure out better ways of going about it. It has not worked yet. A lot of things haven't worked out in history for a long time until they do. Just saying that something is forever doomed to be a certain way is stupid. So I am at least going to try as much as I can to figure out certain things here, and I encourage everybody to do the same thing. Otherwise, what are we doing? Otherwise, we're just we're just giving up, and uh, I am never going to I am never going to give up. Anyway, that is all I gotta say about that. Yeah, I I think you, you, this, if nothing has been demonstrated, the last thirty year, or sixty years has shown that we can't fix this problem this way. It, it, just, it just hope against experience. We haven't no, we haven't been fixing this problem at all. In fact, what we've been it's doing is worse. We, no, it has gotten, it's gotten worse. worse. It has gotten worse in certain circumstances. Sure, we've have leaders that do absolutely nothing to address this problem. But again, just, no, no, they yes. do stuff to address the problem. But what they do doesn't fix the problem. What they do to address the problem is do all this woke shit and increase affirmative action policies and put their friends in power. Exactly. And so so what I'm saying is let's not do that. Let's do the kind of things that I'm proposing. That's what I'm saying. And what you're saying is all these 30 years we've been doing all this stupid bullshit. Well, of course it's not going to work if we've been doing stupid bullshit. Of course it's not going to work then. That's my I, I point. I don't think we've actually been doing – like I think that – it's it's not like it's not like there is some kind of conservative plan to fix this. I mean, I guess like if you if you used very hard-handed anti-liberal measures, you might be able to fix this in like three hundred years. I don't think it's going to be anti-liberal uh, measures. But anyway, look, Willie back. It, we're putting him in a really weird situation right well, now because this is very I have to far go soon from... anyway. But. Yeah. <laughs> I know, no, but the point is again, just to leave both of you with this idea, I think that it is possible to fix a lot of these things. We have to get our mind out of this doomer scenario of oh, we are destined to have this, uh, you know, uh, clash and uh, have a dictator come in and then it's going to reset everything. I think that that is a very, I mean, look, I don't have a crystal ball. Neither do you. Neither does Willie. But I'm going to try as much yeah, as I can yeah. to figure out a way out of it. I, I, I think that, I mean, the pulses we've been hearing have been kind of ridiculous on all these fronts. They, they won't fix the disparities. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a lot more streams coming up. BTR is just getting started. I oh, am shit. going to bring all the experts in. All the people who are, <laughs> yes, don't you laugh, damn it, don't you laugh. Do you remember that scene from uh, Clockwork Orange with the uh, that Hitler oh, mustache? Oh, classic, the, yeah. Yeah, you remember that police officer guy who was standing there with the Hitler mustache? And then mm -hmm. there was that priest who was saying, don't you laugh, damn it, don't you laugh. I saw your number 633, whatever. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, those, who will be, those who are laughing now will be crying later. You remember I have that's to clarify the... something in this because I'm seeing someone from my Telegram group say that uh, misunderstand my policies. I am perfectly fine, and actually I think it would be prudent if Poland said we want an immigration policy that will keep this country 80% Polish or 90% Polish. As a matter of fact, I think that would be a good idea. I think that the immigration policy should keep a country some very large percent. I don't think there should be large demographic shifts in ethnicity, period. I don't know how anyone got the idea of anything different than that. Israel has that policy, and I don't see why Poland shouldn't too. No, Israel. Well, as far as Israel goes, 
Israel has Ashkenazi Jews, Sephardic Jews, it has Arabians, it has... <laughs> hold on, hold on, don't you laugh, damn it. It has Arabians who are both Jewish and uh, Muslim as well as Druze. It has Ethiopians. So I'm listening to the fucking colors of the rainbows no, over this here. This is bullshit, though. I'm sorry, love. Why Israel is that immigration bullshit? policy explicitly is designed to make sure that they do not lose a Jewish supermajority. Super that it's 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 if they let if they use the same standards for Muslims as they did for Jews, that country would not be a majority I mean, Jewish I mean, in like I, five years. The number of people who have legitimate claims to move back to Israel is enormous. And if they're like, oh people, well, because like any Jewish person could essentially move to Israel with very very little questions asked. If Arabs sure. could move to Israel with the same standard, Israel would rapidly be a non-majority Jewish state and the government would rapidly collapse. D Dave, here's I, I why... Guess what I'm, what I, the question I got here is what happened, like, all right, a bunch of fucking Mexicans or whatever move in here, right? Wait, wait, hold on, Willie. I'm sorry to interrupt, but before your question, I have to say this to Dave. Dave, if somebody is Arabian but is Jewish, are they allowed to become an Israeli citizen? I think so. I have the finer points of the, the law. They've been interested... Recently, they the answer is like, yes. The answer is yes, because Israel is not an ethno state. It is a religious state. So you can be Arabian. Bullshit. And if you you're Jewish, you can be a member. Atheist. Bullshit. Who you can get in if you're Jewish and atheist. I know Jewish atheists yeah. have gotten into Israel with low questions asked. I, I know that too. So okay, it doesn't so matter. Can you get in as an African atheist? No. No, but okay, you have so to be is, an African so Jew. So but so you have so to be an African and. Jew. And you have to kind of uh, oh. prove that you can... Uh, you can be uh, Jewish. I feel enough. like we're, we're no. no look, 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 look. There is an obvious ethnic component to Israel's immigration policy. Look, I'm not against it. It's fine. I even agree with that. That's totally sure. cool, right? But don't tell you. me they don't have that standard. They absolutely have that ethnic standard. But again, I, if we're if we're talking about whatever birth rates are, look, I agree with you when it comes to the birth rates from the Hasidic Jews within these very particular areas of Israel. I understand what you're talking about there. My only point is if you happen to be of the Jewish faith and are Arabian or are Ethiopian, you are going to be a, a citizen of Israel. There is no problem with that happening. And I'm not saying that there aren't some weird loopholes, like there are certain people who just like, you know, pretend to be Jewish, kind of go through the back door, whatever, that's going to happen. It's not a perfect society. But the point is, is that there is still this emphasis on not discrimination based on genetics. And that is not what I advocate Israel for. Has, it, it has used genetic tests in the past to admit it for immigration. If they are not currently doing so, they have certainly done that in the past. Well, whatever they've done in the past, do you disagree with what I was saying as far as the Arabians and the Ethiopians go, uh, being Jewish, being able to be citizens of Israel? I, I don't know. If you could... If Western countries could use standards like Israel's to keep their demographic majority in place, like my, I, that would completely satisfy most right-wingers' issues. If, if we universally agree that you can say like, oh, hey, you know, you can come into the country if you have like this stringent religion or if you have this ethnicity, like that would probably satisfy most right-wingers' objections. And... and it was done in the, to keep why the ethnicity. ethnicity? Uh, okay, as far as the religion and the ethnicity part, that works for Israel. As far as the United States, I would still advocate for the whole cultural thing. Me. 
there there are millions of Arabs. There, there are uh, I think there are about a million. I think there are millions of Arabs. There are millions of Arabs that have legitimate claims to be to be occupiers of that territory in the past, and they're getting passed over in favor of of Jewish people, Jewish atheists who have never lived in that country. Yeah. And like, passed over obviously in, and passed over in favor and passed over in favor of Jewish Ethiopians. Why are you forgetting the Ethiopians? Have you not, not understood how many Ethiopians? Cause, right? it's, like, it's a pretty fucking big one, man. It's a pretty fucking big one. Because here you have people who are of a complete genetic uh, history, whatever you want to call it, being full-fledged immigrants in, and members of Israel. Uh, what so the you're fuck saying, are we talking it, about it, here? As, as long as you admit some people from another race, you can have a, 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 as, an immigration no, right that explicitly you, takes into account... As long as you as long as you don't restrict immigration based on some kind of you know g- genetic standards because that's what I am against so, so and how I think about that's this? how about this Poland's new policy will be we let in only Polish people and priests of any race that would satisfy the Israel condition right so you know, African priests can come in, African nuns can come in, you know, Guatemalan priests can come in, but of the non-priests, look, only let in Poles. We're talking in circles to a fucking No, no, I, this, theory, right? this, this, is not a, this is not a circle. That would satisfy Lev's standard for being a non-racist immigration policy. Look, all <laughs> we did I wa- it. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. See, now I'm now I'm too tired to think. All that I'm going to say, Dave, is that all I want is for people who are of a certain civilization level uh, that is equal to the country that they want to immigrate to being able to be a part of that as long as, you know, it's not too full. If it's too like, full, like, that's bro, a different story. Bro, are but, we talking about ethno states right now? Like, what the fuck's happening? We're yeah. talking about Israel. We're talking about Israel. No, no, no. I already, talk, I already I, told Dave about Israel. Israel is, that's what we're talking about. No, no, no. Dave, I already, I already told you about Israel. Willie, my whole thing is, and I think you would agree with me here, as long as people can get along at the same level as the place that they want to be a part of, as long as that place Surely isn't full, then they can get along. place if they could not get along, right? What are you talking uh, about? Of course they will. Like what? What do you mean? Like, do you, do you, would, you, would you assume that most immigrant, like the immigrant populations in France are getting along with the native populations? Is that, is that, I mean, dude, I, you, you expect me to know anything about France? You're fucking crazy, dude. Okay. Yeah, so the, you're the fucking baguette cheese eaters. I don't okay, know well, fucking did, dick about France. Do you know anything about immigration rates over over the course of human uh, like history? In the United States, I I don't think it's largely like I, I don't think the Mexicans are coming over and like fucking taking over cities or shit. I don't know. Okay, no, but, but like, to... the United States is not the only example of immigration. I know. But I just, there like, have been I many know, examples right. of immigrants that have just come in and it's conflicts immediately erupted. That's a common historical occurrence. Mm. Okay, what's going on in France where that's going on? But look, uh, this is going to take the example. Yeah, look, I, I have this to is go, gonna take guys, too long. Like, you know, this is it's been yeah. great talking to you. Okay, it has, Dave. Okay. I pr- I appreciate good, the time. Good talking to you. Have, have a good night. Okay. Have a Goodbye. good night, Dave. Right. All right. So the last thing that well, I oh yeah, sure, go for it. Can I say something about Dave? Yes, you he can. Is somebody where I immediately do wonder when it comes to his content. Is he somebody where I go watch his content and it's like the quartering where I'm like. You know, is he constantly, uh, you know, 
baiting towards the towards one side of the of the political spectrum where it's it's just all constant bait and, and fucking red herrings towards that because i do feel like i was getting that vibe a little bit i don't know if he's actually like that i need to watch him more but it did feel like it's constant mm. fucking rage bait i mean it's Okay, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to speak for uh, Dave. He, he's not here right now. The only thing that I can say is that I think that there are very important questions that Dave brings up when it comes to things like the immigration question. The only sure. thing is that I think it does it gets taken way too far in the end result being. And again, I'm not saying that he's specifically advocating for this, but he doesn't leave that much room other than to say that countries should just be able to. Uh, bring in people specifically based on whether they have this certain kind of DNA or not. My whole, th my whole yeah. thing again. But to to the things that he was talking about, which I think are important. I understand like you're coming at this from like a completely like an outsider, and I appreciate the mm -hmm. fact that you have the patience to uh, endure all of this. But coming in here from an outsider, as an outsider, what I could say about the France situation in particular is that. You do have people that have come over who are like, like I said before, military-aged men, uh, majority who they come from a very different kind of culture. They were raised in a very different way, a very tough culture, a culture that's very different from like ooh la la, you know that culture of France. Sure. And they end up getting into a lot of uh, situations where they end up joining gangs, where they end up uh, making a lot of uh, mischief, for lack of a better word, in these countries. They end up com committing a lot of crime. It has nothing to do with their DNA. What it has to do is the culture that they were brought up in. Because out of all these places, you're going to have scholars and poets and whatever that come out. So that already is signs to me that there is no such thing as saying, like, this particular a group of people is doomed to always being this way because we always see the exceptions and because there are the exceptions what i think is a completely fair way of going about this is to have the kind of immigration policy where you would be able to judge and again i'm not the expert here right now as far as how to create this but you would be able to judge fairly that Whichever family, assuming there's room in your country, whatever family wants to come in, that when they're going to be in there, they're going to raise their kids other than, let's say, the holidays or, you know, like whatever food they have. They're going to raise their kids just like the other kids are going to be in their um, in their village or town or wherever they're immigrating to. I think that's absolutely fair. I think that is absolutely non-biased. You would want the same thing, right? Like you would want to live somewhere where you would know that the people who are going to be in your neighborhood are going to raise your kids in a very similar way as far as what their values are. I think that's very fair. Yeah, I mean, sure. Like, uh, like, look, I don't, I don't know, right? Like, I, I agree with that. I think... Uh, the end point. You Dave, agree with the Dave end point. clearly knows fucking more than me on any of this shit, right? This... I just do want knowledge. Do, knowledge is not everything. You could always learn more. That's the important saying, thing I, here. You I could always learn getting, more. I was I was wondering if I was getting a little bit of a quartering vibe from that shit. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, it, I, does, I it, it does rub rub me a certain way when I do hear certain um, just certain lines is all. Um, all, all. All I can say here, Willie, is that if this is in any point, like, this could be just, like, a meteor flew over and you watched it or you saw, like, a sure. train that was riding, uh, that was on fire. It's like, ooh, that's pretty interesting. If this is something, on the other hand, that maybe you were kind of inspired by, because you, despite 
whatever you were saying earlier about like oh i'm just you know whatever you know yeah. i'm just like doing these I'm drama talk videos about fucking jake paul bro yeah you talk about jake paul <laughs> exactly so if you have any time on your hands at all if you ever get interested in reading i think mm-hmm. it would be very interesting for somebody like you who i think does have a stable head on your shoulders you know somebody who's ground to reality somebody who i think has common sense read some more read about a lot of these things and i don't think there's that much that's going to separate you from anybody who you see as being like at some higher intellectual level other than time you know what i mean like sure, that's I something mean, it depends how much value i think there is in in learning stuff about that because uh if stuff if shit's just gonna happen right like uh immigration's just gonna happen i can't fucking control it and i don't know how much value there is <laughs> there is in me dedicating shit to that you know? No, that is that um, is a very fair point. It, it comes it comes down to do I find that interesting? Do I find that fun? And and you know maybe I come to the same conclusions as as some of you guys do, or maybe I come to different stuff. But I don't know. It's all interesting. It's all topics that are definitely out of my realm right now. Um, maybe as I get older, I find that more interesting. I mean, it's possible. I it's know been what's, fun. Yeah. It's been a fun conversation. Yeah. It's kind of cool when you're in a conversation where people are talking about concepts that are like out, outside the realm of what you know. You know, I do find that fun. Mm. Well, that's kind of what Break the Rules does. Break the Rules is supposed to be <laughs> bring people. I mean, that's We're the breaking rule. breaking the rules on Break the Rules. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. the ultimate rule that's being broken. The rule of you being where you are and Dave being where he is. Never the two shall meet. Well, not if I can help it. So Your, your chat is fucking a riot, too. I love your YouTube chat. They're fucking shitters. I'm about this shit. This is definitely some fucking fun stuff for me. You know? Hell yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, before before we go, I just want to say, uh, well, first, where could people find you? For all the people who are interested in uh, Willie Mack, where could people find the great the Willie Mack? The best stuff is Willie Mack show. That's where I'm at. Sometimes I sub for Keem on a drama alert every now and then. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, Willie Mack show, that's what I'm cry- trying to grow. That's what I'm trying to do. It's me basically talking about YouTube drama for the most part. I'm more educated in shit when it comes to YouTube and censorship and stuff like that that I am necessarily in the political sphere. But I do talk about people that think they're political geniuses um, that are completely fucking idiots, like Hassan. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Hassan, that guy's a fucking idiot. Any Anybody that just, you know, got a graduated high school can can understand that, I think. Yeah, um, well, that... that but is, I, I make yeah. comedy videos for the most part. I'm the Daily Show. Excellent. So, guys, please subscribe to Willie Mac. Thank mm-hmm. you very much for watching. Don't forget to subscribe. Oh, by the way, here's what's going to be happening this week. So, this week, Grimhood is coming to town. I'm going to have a Grimhood on who's going to be talking about uh, health-related things, and I'm inviting all the patrons from patreon.com slash break the rules to come oh, in yeah. and uh, join in the discussion. Uh, Grim is going to be talking about a lot of things having to do with healing yourself healing your body you know getting into the best shape of your life and there we go that is what you got to do patreon.com slash break the rules so you can be there in the stream with grimhood talking about that and that is not all no sir we are going to have a lot of great stuff coming up later on so please be sure to subscribe subscribe keep subscribing add a like it's going to help out the algorithm and that's it this has been a fantastic conversation thank you very much willie mac thank you very much dave